You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everyone to episode 200 and... No, there's no end. We established that. Episode 214 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. Hi, everyone. Hi, everybody. How are you today? I hope you're well. Um, how are you, Taylor? I'm, I'm, I'm well, I guess. Yeah, well enough. Well enough, yeah. <laughs> you just had a visit from your ma'am, so that's, that must be nice. Yeah, she came up to go to the Kraken game last night. Kraken Yakum. Yep. That's what they call them. Yeah. Did they win? Did they win the the hockey competition? No, they they did not. No, no. And we were sitting in front of the most annoying LA Kings fan in the world, I believe. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of annoying LA sports fans, so that says something. Because it was like just randomly throughout the game, not even at any relevant point, she would just be like, "Go Kings, go!" And that's what she sounded like. Like she would turn around to people behind her and say that? No, I just did that so I wasn't like blasting the oh. mic. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wish she would because I was sitting in front of her. So if she yelled at people behind her, it'd be less annoying for me. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, LA fans, they are only behind uh, Boston and New York fans, like as far as annoyance level. Yeah. Because they get very passionate about their sports, which is so weird because, like, I mean, I lived there, and it just doesn't really strike me as much of a sports town. Um, at least at the time. Maybe it's changed. I don't know. I mean, they have the they have the Rams again, so I think that may be a little, little, little shot in the arm. And the Chargers. The Ralph Wiggum of football. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot they're not in San Diego anymore. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, what else is new? Uh not not much. Yeah. If you're watching us live on Discord, you can see my dog in the background licking my hand <laughs> very passionately. She's so into it. It's so soft and sweet. <laughs> I don't have anything on my hand that I know of. I don't know. She's licking pee pee off your hand. I don't know what she's doing. Taylor pee-peed on his hand. I got poopy on my hand. <laughs> it's like when you when you don't get the toilet paper completely over your hand and you accidentally wipe your asshole with your fingertip. <laughs> We've all done it. Uh cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, nothing too too exciting going off me, I guess. Taking the whole week, well not the whole week. I have to work tomorrow. Uh, but Tuesday, 
through the following Tuesday, taking off work. I'm taking off Friday and Monday. Are you? Um, yeah, we're going to Colorado mm. mm-hmm. for Easter. Easter? Yep. We're going to see the baby. <laughs> you gotta see the baby. It's breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm uh, taking the week off because I have to like buckle down. Like I'm still going to be working, but it's going to be purely on stuff that I'm going to be trying to sell at CryptoCon because I just cannot make enough time to work on it like in a normal schedule. So I just need to clear out all my responsibilities yeah. and work on that. But I did just finish. I mean, you saw the, the line work for a very uh, detailed <laughs> uh, Terrifier piece that has gotten very little love on social media, which is uh, disappointing. <laughs> Plug your social media. Huh? Plug your social media right now. Uh, it's uh, basically everything. Any any website with Skeletony art at the end of it. There you go. All go go give them some love. All you got. L- listen, you just go to it. You double tap it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah, it doesn't cost look. you any money. You don't have to look at it. I don't. I don't give a fuck. Just give me those sweet sweet likes. Yeah, I mean, what's really gonna be important is if I sell any. Well, yeah, because if I don't sell anything, that that will be very disappointing. That hurts. Yeah. But I've the the comments that I have gotten is it's very good. The detail is great. Um, some very nice comments about the perspective that I created in it, which is nice because it, that's that's hard to achieve in a lot of stuff. And Art's ass looks great. It does. Right? You gave him that <laughs> thick dumper, dude. Honestly, I must have redrawn his ass so <laughs> like like half a dozen times. And I'm just like. He just looks like he's got a fucking badonk. Why does like, he look so thick? <laughs> he's just fucking dragging that big caboose, and I don't know how to stop. It's because he's face down, ass up. Well, that's the way he likes to fuck. <laughs> it's trying to get the perspective on it. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go look at my social media, you can see it. You can see kind of what I'm talking about. It's, it's hard to kind of get the right perspective on him on his body you know laying flat on the ground but also you know being cast off into the distance uh without it making him look like he has a big ass like like i said i tried so many times and a couple t- couple times he ended up with like very pronounced ass cheeks it's like oh <laughs> well, that's not right at all <laughs> like the red and stippy or something <laughs> And it's like David Howard Thornton. He yeah, he's a very slender guy, and he's he doesn't have a big ass. Yeah, I mean, I, have, I don't think I've looked at his ass specifically, but I, I don't recall a a big juicy <laughs> peach back there. I don't recall a big cake. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would have noticed. Yeah, well, he showed his ass in both Terrifier movies. He, oh, he did. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, it was kind of from the side in the, in the second one, at least. Was it? I thought it was just a full-on ass. Well, he was naked in the laundromat. He was just sitting, and it was from the side. Well, I'm talking about when he was taking it off, mm. taking the suit off. Mm, yes. I don't know. Maybe I should have looked at that scene a little more to get a good, yeah, just good, get a good idea of what... <laughs> pause it right at that moment. <laughs> My wife walks in. What are you doing? It's research. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, like if the script was flipped and you walked in and your wife was watching something and had it paused just on an ass, 
It's like, would you even ask? I feel like I might just walk out. I just do the Grandpa Simpson and just whoop. <laughs> if my wife was doing it? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably ask. I'd be like, what's, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> um, anyway. So that's that's what's going on with me. I've got my whole week laid out. I'm, I'm seriously going to be working at least eight hours a day just drawing shit. And I've never done that before. So I'm hoping that I can. That's a lot. Yeah. Hoping I can endure. I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad that I don't have arthritis. Yeah. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Maybe I will after this. Or carpal tunnel. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm working on that, especially in this hand. Mm, yeah. That's why that's, I got. That's your jerk hand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, that's why I got one of these. Oh yeah. Ergonomic mouse. Yep. Um, cause so many, so many years of this, like it actually, I was getting pain up in my shoulder mm. from it. I'm like, why is my shoulder hurt all the time? Except on the weekends. It's like, it's, well, it's gotta be something I'm doing at work. Yeah. And then I was reading that, uh, like, you know, just did some research, like shoulder pain, you know, desk job. And it was just seeing a lot of things because of holding your hand flat on a desk, it puts a lot of tension, you know, on these muscles and it just translates all the way up your arm. And so this is, you know, much more natural position. Hence those mouses. Sure. Mice. Mises. (laughs) I hate mises. Two pieces. Uh, I haven't had that since though. So there's that, but just typing. I think maybe I'm going to need an ergonomic keyboard next. Yeah. Getting fucking old, man. <laughs> Getting old ain't for sissies, as Jack Palance would say. He would say that. He did say that. He did say that, and then he died. He did die. <laughs> uh, cool, 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 cool. So, yeah, if you're going to be in, in the Seattle area uh, in, in May 17th through 19th? 19th through 21st. 19th through 21st. Go to Crypticon. Buy shit from Tony. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And if you haven't yet, sign up for his Jason mask making class. Yeah, please. Please do that. Sell that bitch out. Yeah, it's still got like uh, a a disappointing amount of spots left. (laughs) Fortunately, there's no Jason this year to have. Like, that's usually a selling point. It was a selling point with um, Graham and stuff. You'd be like, hey, make this and then go get it signed. Exactly. Yeah, and that's how I I market a Caesar. Um, and, uh, yeah, those things, I mean, uh, talking to Jason, you know, the guy who organizes the events, um, he, uh, he, he, he approached me about it and, you know, once we got the details worked out, we didn't post it up like on, you know, Facebook and, you know, Crypticon's website for like uh, a couple, maybe three weeks before the convention, and it sold out. Like I was a little worried at first because it was kind of slow to start, but as we got closer to the convention, it sold out fast. And I was very surprised. This, you know, we announced it several months in advance. Well, maybe not several, but probably about two months in advance. And I got some, I got a handful of sales like right off the bat, and then a handful of others kind of trickled in since then. But I'm still sitting with more than half of the uh, spots available. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> any day now. And I've talked about it before. It's like Sunday is. It's, that's a rough day. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I've had people say, it's like, well, yeah, people, Sunday's still a busy day. It's like, yeah, but it's a short day and yeah, people yeah. make their visits short. So that's what I'm worried about. And they're busier too. Since it's a shorter day, they've got to go and get all their celebrity sightings in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people will come because it's the cheapest day. So, yeah, they'll come and, you know, and bang out all the stuff they want to get done in a short window of time um, and, you know, save some money. And I don't know, that may not include a, a class at the very end of the day on the last day of the convention. Yeah. So that kind of was a kick in the dick when I saw that. But, you know, got to do what I got to do. Yeah. I just got haven't made the money back that I've spent already. Mm. That's, well, not not me, my benefactor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's like, I'm not really sure how that's going to work out because, I mean, I'm, I'm taking my cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, go sign up, CryptoConSeattle.com. Today. Uh, all right. Well, before we get any further into things, uh, let's take some time to thank our lovely grave diggers. Uh, these wonderful, wonderful people over on Patreon help finance our silly little show where you get to sit around and talk about nothing. Filibuster. Filibuster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, you know, upwards of three hours, usually. Yep. <laughs> Um, I was told this morning our show is too long. Oh, yeah? Yep. By, by cheese. Did you say, hey, nobody asked you? <laughs> My stepdad was like, you know, how long are your podcast? Like an hour? I said, oh, like two and a half usually. And yeah, she just goes, too long. She doesn't even listen to it. She was like, I don't know anybody that would listen to a podcast that's two and a half hours long. I was like, all the podcasts I listen to are two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. And that was something when we first started doing this, like... Um, you know, everything we like, we were reading like about how to, you know, get a successful podcast, how to build an audience, you know, it's like, oh yeah, keep your episodes between like, like 15 minutes to an hour. And it's like, oh, well, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like same thing, like all the podcasts, I don't really listen to many podcasts now anymore. I just don't really have time for it. But back when, you know, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, same thing. Podcasts were at least two hours long. Yeah. The the podcast that inspired us most to start this was to at least, at least two, two hours long. Yeah. Um, and it was weekly, right? Was it weekly? I think it might have been weekly. I don't recall. Um, well, I mean, I, I should say there are probably like two podcasts really that inspired us. What's um, the other one? Movie Crypt. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how much that inspired us. But. Really? Yeah. It seemed, that, that one seemed like it was the most, the one that got us the most like motivated to actually start our own podcast. I think we were like really inspired by the Midnight Podcast as far as like format and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But I felt, always felt like the Movie Crypt was the one that's like, hey, we could do this. That's fair. But we can't because they're famous and they get famous guests. Yeah. We've had a, f a few uh, semi-famous guests, but not in a while. <laughs> yeah, we kind of stopped doing interviews. It was hard. It was hard, and it also made the episodes even longer. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we got to cut something somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we could put them out separately, but... Yeah. I mean, like, really... Also, just like putting that together and stuff, it's not really... 
It's not our format. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. When, when we could make it work and we were sitting down and we were talking to them and stuff, that, that was fun. Yeah. It was fun to do them. Yeah. But yeah, to get it all set up, you know, make sure schedules Scheduling. Up, and, you know. Yeah. It's like we had to interview somebody in Australia. So we had to like fucking do the, the interview time like zone. nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd like to do one again at some point but i'm not in a hurry for it and i'm really have no idea even who yeah like i mean if an interview comes along that we want to do yeah we're not going to say no right yeah i mean we've had like we've had like uh you know just like pr firms like reach out to us but you know they probably just cast a wide net it's like hey you want to talk to these people from this movie it's like i've never heard of that movie yeah i mean usually these people usually yeah but even the ones you do, it's just like, well, that'd be nice, but that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, and it's like, I don't, what, am I, what are we going to talk about? Like, like that's the other thing. I was always worried, like, worried with our interviews. It's just going to be the Chris Farley show. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so our grave diggers, they do help. Oh, we still, yeah, we're still on that. We haven't come past <laughs> that yet. Uh, yeah, our, so we don't have an expensive show, but it, it does cost money and, um, you know, we, we, we don't make a lot of money ourselves because we are millennials and we're underpaid. We don't know how to save money. <laughs> <laughs> so we need your money to help this show going. Um, and the wonderful people who have made that possible are Carlos Ordella, Gory B Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer. Bob Voorhees and Kevin Nesgoda. Thank you so much, all of you, uh, from the bottoms of our hearts for keeping us going strong. Sort I feel of. like we should just tack on a like and the rest. And the Because we have other Patreon patrons, they're just not at a tier that gets their name in the show. But I feel like we could still like just thank them in a bulk. Like like one of these. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, Kevin Nesgoda and others. Right. Yeah, we, we do have... It, we, do, we do appreciate all our grave diggers. Yeah, like, I mean, we've got these uh, six people, and that sounds paltry um, compared to some, you know, creators who have, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of patrons. But yeah, dude, when you listen to, like, Crime and Sports, they do, at, at the end of the show, they do their their producers, and it's it's like a good five to ten minutes long is segment. Really? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Most of it is the guy going, like, ah. Alice, Alicia, Alicia, Al, I don't know. <laughs> I can't read his own handwriting. <laughs> Why do you handwrite it? <laughs> That's the other thing. Sprint it out. <laughs> or look at it on your phone. Um, yeah, a lot of like YouTube. They just have it like, you know, as like maybe like wrapping up the end of their video. They got like scroll, yeah. scrolling, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we do have other patrons and yeah. yeah. And like I said, we do appreciate them yeah. except for the three of you who need to update your payment method. You know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> You're fucking us. <laughs> You're fucking us. You're not getting your perks. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah. Any, uh, if, Taylor, if anybody else wants to help us out, where can they go? Then go to patreon.com slash podcast. You do get those perks for as little as $1, uh, $5 for your name in the show. You also get discounts to uh, Great Plot Podcast store. I just put up some Great Plot Film Fest shirts that you can get to help the Great Plot Film Fest. Um, and speaking of which, my mom asked me today uh, how she doesn't want to join Patreon 
and she's not a company, so she can't sponsor the Film Fest, but she was asking how regular people can support the Film Fest. Uh, you can donate to the podcast and, by extension, the Film Fest uh, by going to our PayPal, just paypal.me slash greatplotpodcast. Uh, there's a link on our website, greatplotpodcast.com. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we did run, like... The first year we did an Indiegogo. First two. First two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, that was, you know, that opened it up for people to be able to contribute and, you know, in effect become kind of semi-sponsors mm-hmm. of the show. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd like for us to be able to do something like that. I just don't really know what format we could use to to support it. I mean, other than like a, a, a crowdfunding thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, we, we we've been lucky that we haven't really needed them since the second year. Yeah. So, but I mean, that might change. <laughs> that might change from one year to the next. So it's true. Uh, I mean, I I'm trying to get things going early this year i know i don't i don't want to be like last year where we are a month away and we're like should probably uh watch these since we didn't find any judges <laughs> yeah yep 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 yeah i'm i'm gonna email the theater uh probably this week get a get a date hammered out and then start talking to sponsors i got a big list of potential sponsors a bunch of people i added um you know local businesses horror businesses Companies I've seen sponsor other film fests. Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to try. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you tried. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can do. Yeah. Like, I don't know how big we'll ever get. I mean, that sounds defeatist, but I mean, just like we're, we're a small film fest. I don't know how how big it'll ever get, especially we're in a smaller theater. Mm. You know, compared to something like like our you know our buddies that run the 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 Bone Bat Festival, like they've got like they rent out like a Sif theater for got, multiple days. Yeah, I mean they're like a like a like a true festival. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, yeah, they have multiple days of films, um, and you know it's like dude, a two hundred plus seat theater. I think, um, and it's like you know we've got our little. What one hundred and two seat? Five hundred five. Um, but it, it's like I don't have any gripes with that. I'm I'm content being kind of a smaller festival. But you know to to kind of support it and get the name out there and you know get um, some real competitive entries. That's kind of what I want to build towards. Not saying that we haven't had competitive entries. Just I want us to become a. premiere uh <laughs> film festival and yeah that just it's we're definitely gonna <laughs> i think probably take more work than we've put into it in past years yeah so we're we'll, we'll we'll do that yeah i mean we made it past five so i guess it's time to quit fucking around yep growing pains are done not growing pains this is a good show it was <laughs> Except for Kurt Cameron. Boner was the best one. Best guy. <laughs> anyway, I'm just rambling. Great plot film Com. Uh run IMDB now, so if you if you win an award, you get an IMDB credit. Did you do that? Or? No. Okay. It's some it was one of the winners. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you see that email that somebody sent us about? Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. I mean, it's like I don't, I don't 
care. And then, like, there's <laughs> nothing we can do now. Yeah, it's like it's like, what are you trying to tell us? <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you threatening me? <laughs> like, <clears throat> I don't know. Can't really talk about it on air, but yeah, it was weird. It was weird. And yeah, like I said, it was about last year's or like this year's festival. So it's like well, that's that's over. Yeah, that ship sailed, bud. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, okay. Anything else? Let's, should we press on? We should probably press on. Let's press on. Let's do some more business. All right, uh, well, starting out in some real-world horror, uh, we're going to take another trip, another trip to Central America. We're taking so many trips. So we, t- we take trips every every episode. Yeah, we're just always traveling. We're world travelers, That's usually right. to Central usually America. To Central America. <laughs> or London. <laughs> London from the... The continent of London. Right. From the from the from the shores of Dover to the fucking Emerald Isle, the entire continent of London. <laughs> I don't even know if that's like geographically correct. Yeah, they're probably right next to each other. So it's <laughs> like this far. <laughs> you can practically walk to fucking Ireland. That's I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> On and, water. <laughs> it's not too deep. <laughs> um. Let's see. So, uh, we're going to talk today about Bolivia. Bolivia. Bolivia Newton-John. Yep. You've heard of her. Um, uh, So, a weird weird case coming out of uh, Juarina, uh, where residents apparently spotted a mysterious green light in the sky. Mmm. Weird fire in the sky. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, uh, following the peculiar sighting, they claimed that diminutive humanoids, which means tiny little little, little, little green ghouls, little, little green ghouls, <laughs> <laughs> which some likened to goblins. Uh, again, little green ghouls. <laughs> uh, were seen scrambling through the streets of the village. <laughs> Scary. Run away. (laughs) (laughs) They were miniature beings, one witness recalled, like with those little people who appear to children. Wait. (laughs) I thought it said appear to be children. Wait, what? I thought it said like those little people who appear to be children. I was like, are they talking about like changes? Just just little people? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Like Mick on Seinfeld? Mickey, as, yeah, it's Mickey. Yeah. Mickey, right? Yeah, uh, plays a stand-in for, for that kid on the yeah soap opera. <laughs> um, a few days later, the odd incident became even stranger. Well, how does it get stranger than this? Uh, when what appeared to be the body of a small figure was found in a gutter, and uh, one one resident one resident marveled the closer we got. We saw that it was an alien. Oh, man. Did you know? 
Uh, images of the anomalous figure were subsequently sent to Bolivian U- UFO. Oh, I thought I said urologist. It's like, wait a minute, why? <laughs> hey, test this guy's pee hole. <laughs> I don't know, put a little stick in there. Just swab it around. You know, that's how you get. That's how you get stuff, right? Alien DNA. I was pee pee. Uh, sent to Bolivian UFOologist. That's not a real thing. That's, that's a made-up title. It's not capitalized, so it looks like it should be ufologist. Yep. Uh, As in oof. <laughs> that's, that's not a job. <laughs> <laughs> Juan Carlos Aliaga, uh, who noted that they appeared to show this being curled up but with little bones. Just little bones. <laughs> this is my little bones. <laughs> Careful, my bones. <laughs> uh, although he has pledged to investigate the case, the UFO researcher lamented that it will be something of a challenge as the peculiar remains mis- remain yeah as the peculiar remains mysteriously disappeared shortly after being discovered. Oh, weird. That's how about that? <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? It's probably the Men in Black. Probably, yeah. They gave him the, probably fucking Will Smith. Thing. Will Smith and Putty. And Putty. <laughs> Here you go. Here's, wait. Oh, there's there's one Carlos. And there's there's the little guy. That looks comically fake. <laughs> it Like, it looks black, first of all. And it just, it doesn't look like a being. Like, it just looks like a... Like a deflated balloon, yeah, and then but like the head part is is still inflated, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks like somebody made like a little, I don't know, clay sculpture of like a like a very bad play, like clay sculpture. Well, yeah, it doesn't look like of a grave man. Fleshy. It looks like it. It looks like mummified or something. But if it's if just died, I don't think it could be mummified yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how, how hot Bolivia is this time of year. It's right on the equator. I believe it's pronounced Ecuador. <laughs> uh, actually, what? There's a country that's right on the equator. Is it Guatemala? Is it, is it Ecuador? <laughs> I don't think it's Ecuador. <laughs> um, let's see. What became of the suspected alien body? Is it un- is Ecuador? <laughs> is it really? Countries that lie on the equator. First one that comes up is Ecuador. Oh, Kenya, Brazil, Uganda, Brazil. How does that work? Col- Colombia, Congo. These are all just countries that are on the equator line. Hmm. Equator is much bigger than I thought it was. I mean, I know it goes it goes all the way around. I mean, like widthwise. <laughs> oh. I mean, how do you determine? Like how- on a map, it's like this big, but it's just a little line. Sometimes it's like outlined in red. Hmm. That's the Sub equator. <laughs> Sub equator. Uh, what became of the suspected alien body is uncertain, with some speculating that the remains were retrieved by its ET companions. <laughs> stop, stop saying ET. <laughs> you're making this more of a joke. Seriously, am I supposed to take you seriously when yeah. you're just, you keep equating it to a Steven Spielberg movie? I mean, I know what ET stands for, but just just call it an alien or or an extraterrestrial, even. Um, 
while others have theorized that a well-meaning villager may have given the otherworldly visitor a proper burial. I have a third option. <laughs> that it was never there to this, begin with. This is all bullshit. Yep. Likely. Uh, authorities are said to be... Boy. Government dollars are being spent on this, guys. Authority, authorities are said to be investigating the situation and are, and are asking residents to refrain from discussing the matter. Well, guys. Aliens. <laughs> but probably not. But, but probably not. But for the sake of real world horror, totally aliens. Totally. <laughs> it was like definitely aliens. They heard there was a new War of the Worlds movie coming, so they wanted to, <laughs> wanted to check it out. Yep. Get some pointers before they blow us to smithereens. <laughs> like fucking Mars attacks. Yep. Yeah. That's what they did on Mars attacks. He made the international sign of the donut. God, I don't remember that. Oh, you need to watch it again, sounds like. Apparently. I don't I don't even remember the last time I watched the Mars attacks, really. Uh, okay, well, that's that. Let's uh, move it along. So I think there's been roughly 1,476 Amityville movies at this point, give or take. Uh, it sounds like a low ball, but you know, I'll give it to you. <laughs> of course, there was the Amityville Horror, Amityville Dollhouse, Amityville in Space, Amityville Thanksgiving. These are all real movies that exist. Um, actually, look that up. I want to know how many Amityville movies there are. See if you can find that. And just some of the more ridiculous titles, too. But finally, finally, we're going to get the truth out. <laughs> we're going to get the true story in the form of a docu-series coming to MGM Plus called Amityville, colon, an origin story. Uh, this will be part of... Amityville Clown House. Oh, of course. How could I forget? Good. Okay. Uh, this will be part of MGM Plus's Halfway to Halloween on April 23rd. From director, executive producer Jack uh, Riccobono, Amityville, an origin story. Rick Boner. Rick Boner. That's what they call him. Got him. They call him Ricky Boner. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Boner. <laughs> Amityville, an origin story, tells us the story behind the world's most infamous haunted house tale. The Amityville Murders. Murders, murder, murder, murder. Uh, the project is the first elevated look at every aspect of this wildly layered story about the heinous murder of a family of six that became eclipsed by paranormal controversy. Rooted in the dark cultural undercurrents of the 1970s, the series features first-hand accounts from witnesses, family members, and former investigators appearing on camera for the first time. 40 films. Amityville in the hood. <laughs> what? Amityville I... Karen. Shut up. <laughs> Swear to God. Oh, wait, how do you have Amityville in the hood? I've been to Amityville. It's a nice fucking neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. 
It is affluent, I dare say. I think it always was. Yeah. <laughs> Am- uh, Amityville in space. Yeah, yeah, I said that one. Did you? Oh. Amityville gas chamber. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Amityville moon. What? What does that even mean? Uh, Amityville vibrator. What? <laughs> Is that a porn? I don't. There's that. That remains unconf- or un uh, unknown. I do. Uh, I hope there is an Amityville Triple X. A, uh, a Tittyville whore. That's uh, it's, it's a pretty easy one. It's good. It's good. Um. Yeah. Those are the more ridiculous ones. I mean, <laughs> they're all kind of ridiculous, but it's like Amityville gas chamber. What does that mean? <laughs> Amityville Scarecrow, Amityville Vampire, Amityville Cult. That could be interesting. Witches of Amityville Academy. Academy? What? I feel like you could have just had Witches of Amityville. You didn't have to throw the Academy on the end. Uh, Apparently, the alternate title is Amityville Witches. Oh, of course. Amityville colon No Escape. All right. Uh, Amityville Death House. Amityville colon It's About Time. <laughs> which is apparently the one, two, three, four, five, sixth film in the original franchise. That one's part of the original franchise? Well, I, I mean, I guess. Maybe not. I don't really know. Hmm. It's based on a book. Oh. Amityville, The Evil Escapes. Tony Randall. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, exclusive archival footage, newly unearthed images, and stunning original photography are woven together into the most compelling and comprehensive telling of the Amityville story yet, taking viewers on a heart-pounding roller coaster ride through the mythology, factual record, and devastating human toll of this notorious meta-narrative. Factual... Narrative, huh? Yeah, do they talk to the, uh, not DeFeos, that was the murderer. Who was, what was the family? Uh, the, the family that moved in afterwards that started this whole debacle. Oh, dicks. Um, no, it wasn't the dicks. <laughs> Once. Lutz. <laughs> yeah, the Lutz family. Do they talk to them about how they admitted that this was all bullshit to make money? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, probably not, because that would ruin the whole narrative. Right. Excuse me, the whole meta narrative. <laughs> oh, pull your finger out of your ass. That's what I say. I say, pull your finger out of your ass. Who's hosting this? Donnie Wahlberg? <laughs> Do you know he's got a podcast about like the most haunted places in America or something like Does that? Does he really? I, I think it's, I've seen him do yeah, a show Donnie. something about that. This, it, the podcast might be based on the show or something. Mm. Yeah, I think it definitely wasn't Mark, so I had to have been Donnie. Man, have you heard about all the... Well, I've told you about all the contention in the ghost hunting community. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking A. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't... About time somebody finally took Baggins down a peg or two. It doesn't seem to be affecting him much. He's still getting paid, getting laid. Yeah, well... Probably. Probably gets laid. Probably. 
I'm sure there are enough chicks out there who want to sleep with a douchebag. Oh, yeah. They like that, you know, tall, dark, and handsome kind of thing. Sure. Plus, they're like, look how baggy his pants are. His bat must be huge. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a Pringles can hanging there. <laughs> like a can of tennis balls hanging there. Oh, summer, summer sausage hanging in there. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> this is a great opportunity. Oh, <laughs> uh, I watch that show too much. <laughs> I, I've seriously, I've probably been through it ten times. Jesus, yeah. It's just like I'm sitting at home, and you know I'm either I've either like got the TV on for some for some background noise, or I'm just sitting there in a quiet room by myself. So I've always got something playing, and then like just like get to a point where I'm like I don't know what the fuck. Like if I finish a show, like, I don't know what to watch. Let's start Letter Kenny again. <laughs> I mean, I'm the same way with Always Sunny, but I've probably only been through it. Half a dozen times. Well, yeah, fifteen years to work with. Well, yeah, of, they're they're hour long episodes, aren't they? No, no, they're not. Oh, okay. Well, at least they're like they're like full seasons, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you yeah, got like Letterkenny. It's like six six episodes. Yeah, it's like six to eight episodes that are half an hour, or actually probably not even half an hour. Probably like twenty five minutes or something like that. Uh yeah. So you burn through it pretty quick. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, if you want to burn through Amityville and Origin Story, uh, April 23rd, keep an eye on MGM Plus, which is a streaming service that probably no one has. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I have a lot of streaming services, and MGM Plus is not one that I can think that I would want. M- well, it was something else up until recently, wasn't it? Was it? I think I, I think we talked about this on the show. Did we? Yeah. Epics. That's right. Yeah. A lot of people already had Epics. There you go. There you go. And if you want to get hype on it, you want to you want to you want to build up the anticipation. There are forty films, guys, <laughs> waiting for you. Yeah, they're all going to be referenced in the show, so there will be a quiz. <laughs> Do your homework. <laughs> oh, apparently there's a, another film, the Amityville. There is a film called the Amityville Haunting, uh, which I believe is another one that is not on this list. So maybe there's 41. All right. And that's just what I'm finding on Wikipedia. There could be like lesser known ones out there. Because, you know, you, you, like you don't have to get anybody's permission. You just say, yeah, Amityville. Amityville. Yeah, I mean, it's a public city. Like it's just the name of a city. It's not trademarked by anybody. Yeah, like fucking, fucking Amityville rest stop. Amityville taco truck. Sure, yeah. Fuck. That's that's trademark now. Patent pending. That's mine. We're now. making that. <laughs> Silas, call me. I got an idea. <laughs> All right. All right, so Corin Hardy, better known as the guy who almost directed The Crow about 10 times. <laughs> for, for 14 years. 
um, uh, is apparently working on a horror movie based on Mississippi's most haunted location. There's a most haunted location in Mississippi. It seems like a, there are probably like a lot of haunted, like really haunted places in Mississippi. Well, I mean, something's got to be the most, right? I mean, I guess. Like, how do you how do you judge that though? Like, like the most ghosts you count the ghosts, yeah. Or is it like, like what if it's just one ghost, but it's the most like experiences? Maybe that seems like the most reasonable. Like, I, I, I mean, I've made my my stance on on ghosts very clear on the show, but like, when just for argument's sake, the most reasonable. <laughs> Uh, way to count the most haunted place would, I think, be through experience. Most hauntings, most hauntings, not most ghosts. Yeah, because if it was most ghosts, it would be the haunted mansion at Disneyland. Sure. Yeah. Because there's 999. I have a hard time believing there's another place with that many. Yeah. You mean there could be a thousand? Yeah, it could be you. Could be. <laughs> but also, the ghosts are constantly going home with people. Yeah. So, like, how do they keep bringing in more? But they're always back. Every time you go there, they're always there again. That's true. They just come back. Yeah. <laughs> they just needed to. They just needed to get out of the house for a while. It's like, give me a ride to Seven <laughs> Eleven. No, I'm not a taxi. <laughs> Drive me three blocks. <laughs> Kristen was reading this thing earlier. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a tweet or something. This woman says. Um, or no, I think it, actually I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but it said uh, I sent a text to my Polish neighbor to ask uh, if it was okay if I mowed the lawn because it was early and I didn't want to wake up their baby. I get a text back saying the child must not be an obstacle. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I've I've known some Polish people like from Poland. Uh, in my life and it's like that is very Polish <laughs> I remember one time I went to uh, my grandparents beach house on the Jersey Shore and I was sick New as Jersey hell. I was sick as hell and uh, I think it was my aunt um, my my stepmom's not sister I, don't, I think it's my stepmom's aunt anyway she had some kind of like home remedy or something she was telling me to take. I don't know what it was. Oh, bother. But I just remember my grandpa being like, get out of here with your Polish nonsense. <laughs> Classic. Also, when you sent me that uh, banana joke from, from Google Bard, mm -hmm. uh, I read, I was reading the whole thing to cheese. And I was like doing John Mulaney as I was, I was sure. Reading. Yeah. She was just like, uh, is the emphasis in there? Or are you just doing that? I'm like, Oh no, I'm just doing that. <laughs> and then I bought another banana <laughs> and it was black. <laughs> <laughs> but this one's black and it's going to taste bad. I'm like that's the point. <laughs> and then I left. <laughs> There wasn't more to that. Guys, go ask Google Bard or ChatGPT to ask jokes in the style of John Mulaney and see if it, it gives you a punchline. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I have done jokes uh, in the style of... Like, I'll give it a subject. Just a subject that I think that that 
comedian would make a joke about, usually. I, I try to kind of anticipate it. Uh, I've, I've had him do things in the style of Mark Marin, John Mulaney, Mitch Hedberg, and Mike Berbiglia. Oh, and I did one with Lewis Black, but that was so bad that I didn't even try it again. <laughs> um, the only one that was like halfway decent was the Mitch Hedberg one, and I told that Taylor about good. it. Yeah, it's like I, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, was, I said, "Tell a Mitch Hedberg joke about buying an HD TV." And it says, "I well, I, I went to the I can't, I'm not even gonna try to do Mitch Hedberg." Was like, I went to the store and I bought an HD TV to watch. Football. Football. And it's like, I get it home, and it's, I can count all the blades of grass. Or it's, it's just like, it's so high def, I can count all the blades of grass on the field. It's like, why? I'm not, that's, I'm not gonna hurt. I, that's well, not what I bought that's it That's not for. what I bought it for. It's like, I'm not gonna count the blades of the grass. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like a joke that Mitch Hedberg would have made. Yeah. And he didn't have like, punchlines in the conventional sense so mm. the fact that there was not a punchline in that worked but like i'd say yeah, that mike berbiglia one which like it seemed like it was on a good course and then there was just and then no, it just ended <laughs> yeah it was there's no punchline whatsoever and it's just like what is you're you're missing the the heart of the joke okay so i have just asked google bard to do our next story in the style of John Mulaney. <laughs> so do you want to do the story or should I just read this? Let's go with that. All right. So there's this new movie coming out called Lure. It's a horror movie about a haunted tavern in Mississippi. And I know what you're thinking. John, I don't need another horror movie about a haunted tavern in Mississippi. <laughs> but trust me. <laughs> so many. But trust me. This one is different. This one is about a haunted tavern in Mississippi that's also a strip club. <laughs> yeah, you heard me. <laughs> a haunted strip club. I know, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> but it's true, and it's going to be great. I mean, think about it. A haunted strip club? That's the perfect place for a horror movie. You've got the dark and dingy atmosphere, the scantily clad women, the creepy music. It's all there. <laughs> This is actually pretty good. <laughs> and the best part is, you know the ghosts are going to be really horny. <laughs> I mean, they're dead, so they've got nothing better to do. And they're probably really good at dancing. <laughs> this is my new favorite thing. Oh my God, that's the best one. And wait, there's more. <laughs> so if you're looking for a good scare, I highly recommend Lure. It's the perfect movie for a night out with your friends. Just make sure you don't go alone. You don't want to be the only one there when the ghosts come out to play. Okay. See, like See, that's that last part we... wasn't needed. Yeah, it just Yeah, it goes too far. Like end on the really good at dancing. That was so good. <laughs> but they're really good at dancing. Okay, now tell this the real story. <laughs> I don't even know if the strip club card is even true. <laughs> The story is based on the haunting of the real-life King's Tavern, considered to be the most haunted building in all of Mississippi, with one of its tenants being the murdered mistress of one of the tavern's original owners. Uh, according to Wiki Wikipedia, uh, the city's oldest standing building, King's Tavern, 
is rich in history, and that includes a paranormal, the paranormal, yeah, paranormal kind. It is considered to, the, to be the most haunted restaurant in Mississippi. The building is believed to be haunted by several ghosts, including Madeline, the mistress of one of tavern, the tavern's original owners. Although many believe Madeline was murdered by the wife of her lover, no one is sure what happened to her in the 1930s. Oh, sorry. What happened to her? In the 1930s, when the skeletal remains of three bodies, two men and one woman, uh, which was assumed to be Madeline, hid in the wall behind the fireplace. Wait, when skeletal remains of three bodies. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe I missed something there, but that, that was just not a... They, they missed a word here. <laughs> I'd say... Although many believe Madeline was murdered by the wife of her lover, no one is sure what happened to her. In the 1930s, when the skeletal remains of three bodies were found, or I guess so three bodies, two men and one woman, which was assumed to be Madeline, were found hidden behind the fireplace. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> uh, a jeweled dagger. <laughs> was that a pirate? <laughs> a jeweled dagger was also found with the remains, which was assumed to be the murderer we- murderer's weapon. Seems a safe bet. That, yeah, that tracks. Um, aside from supernatural happenings believed to be caused by Madeline, employees have reported hearing a baby crying, seeing mysterious reflections appear in mirrors, and an unoccupied bed giving off warmth as if somebody was sleeping on it. Like, do like, they touch it and it's warm? Or I guess, like yeah. With a, with a infrared thing? Because aren't ghosts, don't ghosts usually make like cold spots? Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Supposedly. Chris Bernier, probably. Or Bernier. Bernier. <laughs> Bernier. I'm trying to French it up. <laughs> uh, is writing the script and Michael Bay and Brad Oh, Cole no. <laughs> are producing for Platinum Dunes. I forgot pra- Platinum Dunes still existed. I think my the hatred I once had for Michael Bay has now. Oh, yeah, it's all shifted to uh, Jason. Uh, Jason, yeah, and, and James Wan. Yeah, uh, I just like I forgot that Michael Bay was even a thing. <laughs> um, uh, I liked Mulaney's better. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably really good at dancing. <laughs> yeah, nothing in here about a strip club. <laughs> But it's also a strip club. <laughs> They're all really hardy. <laughs> oh, oh, Christ. All right. What, what even was that joke I sent you? Like the Bigly one. It was about him selling his house. Right. That was like the third draft. Like they give you drafts. Yeah. And I don't know if like. Like their progressions, like I don't know if it literally means draft, like because it's draft one, two, and three, and I don't know if like the third one's supposed to be the best one. Or I don't something. think so. I think it's just so it's not technically a draft, is it? <laughs> well, it's not really draft one, two, and three per se. It's just three simultaneous drafts. I know that's how it's numbered. I'm saying it's not first draft, second draft, third draft. I suppose. It's just three simultaneous drafts. So, like, so okay, I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible. I just sold my house, 
and it was a really weird experience. The whole time, I felt like I was in a movie. Like I, like I could be the one in the middle of showing my house to a potential buyer, and I would just start thinking, this is so weird. I'm in a movie. This is not my life. And then I would have to snap out of it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm selling the house. This is real. Am I doing well so far? That part was good. You kind of you kind of just started breezing through, but then you got to the oh yeah, that was very <laughs> oh, yeah. very Burbigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Joe Bags was there. <laughs> and the worst part was the potential buyers were asking were always so weird. Like they would ask me the weirdest question. This is like probably this is the, the like the core of the joke that I think made it almost work. I'm, I'm going to drop the whole regular impression. It's it's slowing me down. Uh, like, they would ask me the weirdest questions. Like, one time this guy asked me, what's the strangest thing that's ever happened in this house? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. And he was like, well, I well think about it. I want to know. <laughs> and so I thought about it, and I was like, I don't know. One time I found a dead mouse in the basement, and he was like, that's it? That's the strangest thing that's ever happened in this house? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And he's like, that's disappointing. And then he left. It's like, that sounds like a Burbigli joke. If, yeah, a setup, yeah. And then I feel he would have been like, sorry, I didn't have a circus orgy in my basement or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it's just, so yeah, selling a house is really weird, but it's also a really liberating experience because once you sell your house, you're free to move on to the next chapter in your life. And that's a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah, just, you went too far. What? <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, go go play with Bard. It's yeah, well, you have to get on a waiting list. Yeah. So yeah, if you get or I guess you have to be invited, right? Because uh, I got an invitation to to be added to the wait list. Oh yeah, so did I. So I don't know. I don't know if you have to be invited or if you can just go to the wait list. But hmm. well, if you can, I would check it out. It's it's kind of funny to play with. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> lure. Horny ghosts, good at dancing. Is that what it's called? Yes, it's actually called lure. That, that part's true. I must. Oh, okay. I think I totally breezed past this first line. <gasps> okay, so there you go. All right, so Google Bard is going to do this next bit, this next story, <laughs> in the style of Mike Birbiglia. Okay. So I heard about David Cronenberg's new movie, The Shrouds. It's about a guy who builds a machine that lets you watch your dead loved ones decompose in real time. I know, it sounds crazy, but it's true. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I want to see my, lo- my dead loved ones decompose. I mean, I love them and all but I don't need to see them rotting away. <laughs> but I guess some people are into that kind of thing. I mean, there are people who watch pimple popping videos, so I guess there's a market for this kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not sure what to think about the shrouds. I guess it could be interesting to see how people react to it. I mean, it's not every day that you see a movie about a guy who builds a machine that lets you watch your dead loved ones decompose in real time. But I'm not sure if I want to see it. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to be gross. And I don't know if I want to see my dead loved ones rotting away. <laughs> But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. 
That was terrible. That was terrible. He didn't talk about the actual movie itself <laughs> at all. He just said, I don't want to see my loved ones rotting away like four times. <laughs> so yeah, David Cronenberg's new movie, The Shrouds, uh, begin filming in May, uh, May 8th to be specific, in Toronto. Vincent Castle from Irreversible and Eastern Promises is on board to star alongside Diane Krug <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Guy Pierce, of course, from Memento. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. Ravenous. And Iron Man 3? 2. 2. No, 3. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. 3. Uh, Castle will play Karsh. <laughs> More like Darsh. <laughs> Uh, an innovative businessman and grieving widower who builds a novel device to connect with the dead inside a burial shroud. This burial tool installed at his own state-of-the-art, though controversial, cemetery allows him and its clients to watch their specific departed loved one decompose in real time. So Berbiggs did get that part right. There you go. <laughs> uh, Karsh's revolutionary business is on the verge of breaking into the international mainstream when several graves within his cemetery are vandalized and nearly destroyed, including that of his wife. While he struggles to uncover a clear motive for the attack, the mystery of who wrought this havoc and why drive him to reevaluate his business, marriage, and fidelity to his late wife's memory, as well as push him to new beginnings. Sounds gross. <laughs> I, it's going to be gross because it's Cronenberg. It's Cronenberg. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, with the whole de decomposing thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Cronenberg, <laughs> um, man, he's he's been active just like in the last couple of years. Yeah, I feel like Brandon started making movies, and he was like, oh, let me show you how it's done, Whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was his last movie? Uh, Shit. It was... I mean, just came out not too long ago. Yeah. I know he just came out or is coming out with a series based on um, oh, that fucking movie he did. God, we sound like idiots. Uh, Crimes of the Future was the movie. That's what it was. I haven't. I assume you haven't seen it. No. Yeah, I haven't either. Um. What's the show that's coming out? Why am I completely spacing on this? What? Are you, what? There's a show coming out based on one of his mo movies. Uh, and like the trailer just came out. Oh, um, it's um, yeah. See, <laughs> <laughs> about the twins. Yeah, Fuck. and twins. <laughs> Dead ringers. Thank you. Yes. Well, what am I thinking? That that's what you were looking for. Yes. Starring Rachel Weisz. All right, it's a gender swap. And her fragile bones. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, keep an eye out for the shrouds. Yes, mm. shrouds. Mm. Mm. Yes, it's going to be gross. Here is a, a Mitch Hedberg joke about our next story. 
I heard Ryan Coogler is developing a new X-Files show. That's great. I love the X-Files, but I'm not sure if I want to see it with Ryan Coogler's directing style. I mean, in his movies, people always die. In the X-Files, people never die. So I'm not sure if I want to see Mulder and Scully getting killed off. But maybe it'll be good. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Nailed it. Why is it so bad? <laughs> I mean, I, okay, maybe it doesn't have a lot to go on, but still. It's like, how is that one, that was a Mulaney one, like, so good, and this one is so bad. So really, that whole thing was just, Ryan Cooler is making X-Files. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's it. That was the whole yeah. Let's see if these other drafts are any better. Coogler! Right? Coogler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, heard, I heard Ryan Coogler's developing a new X-Files show. That's great, because I've always wanted to see Mulder and Scully investigate the Illuminati. I mean, what's more Illuminati than a show about, the two, about two FBI agents who investigate unsolved mysteries? What? <laughs> okay, this third one's just I'm like, it's it's longer and it's just as bad. So I'm bother. <laughs> All right, so Ryan Coogler, best known for Creed movies, Black Panther movies, um, Space Jam: A New Legacy. Did he direct that? Oh, <laughs> swing and a miss. <laughs> um, I hate studying. I like partying. <laughs> Ron Coogler. <laughs> ah, the Coogler proves. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so um, yeah, so there's a rumor floating around that uh, that Ryan Coogler might be working on a uh, new X Files series of one sort or another. Uh, in a new chat with On the Coast with Gloria Macareno, Macarena, Macarenko, Macarenko. Dean Malenko. Hey, Macarenko. Hi. Um, I bet she's heard that a million times. Oh, yeah. And I don't care. I'd say it to her face. <laughs> it's the first time I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. I just thought of that joke, so I don't care I'll if any people have. Uh, Chris Carter, who, of course, was uh, the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm, yes, yes. And, and also the creator of X-Files. He's, he's a multi-hyphenate. Yeah, he's, he's, a, good, he's a great guy. He's and, a uh, re- renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he teased an upcoming project with Ryan Coogler. Uh, he said during the conversation that, uh, that was just uploaded this week, well, last week at this point, I guess. Uh, I just spoke to a young man, Ryan Coogler. Heard of him? The Coog. <laughs> as his friends call him. Uh, who is going to remount the X-Files with a diverse cast. Remount? What the hell does that mean? Uh, so actually, I think this has something to do with the fact that there was a rumor a handful of years ago that Coogler was going to be Working on an animated comedy yeah, based around the X Files, so maybe that's what he means by remount. I, I, oh, because he know. mounted it before. Yes, so now he's, he's going to remount it. it. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. So he's got his work cut out for him because we covered so much territory. That seems like it's a backhanded way of saying good fucking luck. Yeah, it's like <laughs> why is he doing this? 
And also, he drops in like diverse cast. Like it's like he's. It sounds um, condescending. Yeah. <laughs> like in my head, it sounds condescending. He's like, Cougar's going to make a black X Files. <laughs> I mean, that show was very white. It was. But it's like, you know, in, in you know, the, the mid 90s, it's like you just didn't really notice that thing. Like, I think the public at large, I should say, didn't notice that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Let's see, uh, reps for Kugler did not immediately respond to Variety's request for a comment. 20th Television, uh, the studio behind the original series, declined to comment. The project, uh, as the project is in its very early stages, there's no word on what network or platform, 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 uh, uh, which it would air. More than likely, though, it would air on Hulu rather than the X-Files original network home. Fox, as Fox and 20th TV, are no longer part of the same company following Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox. To that point, there are currently revivals on the Fox's Fox show uh, Futurama and King of the Hill set up at Hulu. I forgot about King of the Hill. Yeah, so they're basically saying there's precedent for this. Yeah. Um... So, I know, uh, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Jillian Anderson. Anderson uh, said she's she's done being Scully. Scully, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think um, Duchovny would, would go back either. I'm sure he wouldn't. He, he, I was saw something with him where he was just like, I will never say no to a project that doesn't exist. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I would have a hard time seeing him coming back without her. Yeah, is a dynamic, and you know, while you could argue that Mulder was the more interesting um, character, he wouldn't have worked without Scully, right? Which is why they worked as a team. I'm curious if this would like reinvent Mulder and Scully or if it would be like two new agents. I'd have to guess that it would have two new agents. Uh, I think that would be the smarter way to go. Yeah. And, you know, there was a point in the show where um, uh, Duchovny had left the show. And I think Gillian Anderson uh, was only going to do it do like a handful of episodes or something. So they uh, passed the, the X files, like the, the, the team off to the, the physical files, not the, physical. the duotangs. <laughs> <laughs> what about the duotangs? I thought we were going to do the duotangs. Why do they have a PSP file? If we got the duotangs. <laughs> um, no, like, so, there were two agents. One was, I can't remember. So it was, um, oh my God, I'm spacing on his name. T-1000. Robert, uh, Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick. So it was Robert Patrick and Annabeth Gish. Um, they were two agents that kind of like through happenstance and, you know, working with Mulder and Scully and, you know, in, in, in X-File cases, 
interfering in things that they were working on, they got pulled into basically working on X-Files. And like they, they, they tried to make them like the new Mulder and Scully. It worked sort of. Um, but you know, it was, it was never the same. Yeah. And then ultimately they kind of transitioned back to Mulder and Scully. And I think they made another movie after the show ended. And actually they brought the show back for two for, seasons. Was, yeah. Was it two seasons? Yeah. Um, which I don't know for me, it, it wasn't all that good. And that's what seeing that, you know, the fact that you got the, the, the original two, uh, with, you know, Chris Carter at the helm, you know, you're driving things and, and you basically trying to make the original product that they had made back in the nineties and it still didn't really work. It's like, okay, it's, it's done. Yeah. Maybe it's time to leave this in the past. So to try and reinvigorate that with, you know, like casting new people as Mulder and Scully, it would, that was what they call lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And you just, you're not going to recapture that. Move on. Try new characters. I don't think it's going to work regardless of who you put in there. But, you know, we'll see. Um, As Mitch Hedberg said, we'll see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really disappointed because the show it's the original run of the show got progressively like less good (laughs) like the quality just was on a decline in the last couple seasons um and then then they, they canceled it and i think like i said they did one more movie and the movie was okay. It was it, the first movie was really good. The second movie was kind of meh. Um, but yeah, you're just really you're, you're kicking a dead horse. Yeah. But it's never stopped them before. They they do that shit all the time. That's true. <clears throat> I'm wondering how they're going to do King of the Hill without Brittany Murphy. Are they just going to recast her? Yeah, probably. That's. Seems uncouth. Or they kill off Luann. Maybe. But I I have faith in Mike Judge that he could make it good because did you watch any of the new Beavis and Butthead? I haven't, no. It's good. That's yeah, you've told me that before. Yeah. It's like I was I was apprehensive. I was worried it would not be as good as the original, but it was, it was good. Because it's like Instead of watching music, they watch some music videos, but like, you know, there aren't as many music videos out there anymore. Mm-hmm. So to supplement that, they watch internet videos, YouTube, TikTok, and they kind of do their same thing. Just just bullshit and make fun of the video they're watching. And then as far as like the actual storyline stories, they've got two different storylines. One where Beavis and Butthead are, you know, just the classic characters that we know and love. And then another timeline where Beavis and the Butthead grew old and they're in their mid forties now. <laughs> and they're both so fucking funny. And it's just like, it kind of caught me off guard because I didn't expect it to be that, that quality. You know? Yeah. So hmm. if you guys have Paramount plus, I would highly recommend it. If you have not watched it yet. <clears throat> anyway, 
Coogler. <laughs> <laughs>so as a lead-in to our film reviews uh, we're going to be talking about last shift and malum and turns out malum is actually getting a official vr survival horror game called flock of the low god uh, it's interesting because i was watching last shift this morning and i was like you know this kind of feels like a game like a five nights at freddy's style has it, the the way that the story plays out, it sure, kind of yeah. has that feel. So, mm-hmm. and then I read the story after that, and I was like, "Well, look at that! I'll be goddamned!" <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Welcome Villain Films has teamed up with XR content developer and publisher Top Right Corner to release a new VR survival horror game based on Malum. The game Flock of the Low God is a terrifying survival horror experience that immerses players into the thrilling world of Malum. Players will be challenged to survive their first shift. And last shift <laughs> at the Landford Police Department by evading supernatural forces, unlocking new environments, scavenging weapons and tools, and defeating wave after wave of possessed cultists through intense close quarters combat. The game will feature both single player and multiplayer modes. Like couch co-op multiplayer? Doubt it. Then you'd have to have two headsets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, VR. <laughs> Do, do people still play VR games? Oh, seems like that. that Ozzy does. Who? Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, he's in the commercial. Oh, okay. She's like uh, Sharon Osbourne, just like ask him to help him move or something. And he's just like, hang on, I'm playing this game. He's got the thing on his face, and he's just like, oh, Sharon. You know how he does? Yeah, that's his gimmick. Yeah, he yells Sharon really loud. <laughs> And he's sitting the whole time because he can't stand up anymore. Yep. Uh, This game was designed using sets and locations from the film, allowing players to follow in the footsteps of Officer Jessica Lauren, played by Jessica Sula in Malum. Players will interact with various props, scenes, and locations recreated in screen-accurate virtual reality, including the main office, morgue, and shooting range. Throughout the production of the film, we captured set and location data that we then used to rebuild the environments in a game engine. It's surreal to put on a VR headset and battle vicious cult members in locations that accurately resemble the same rooms we shot in, says film and game producer Dan Clifton in a press release. We've recreated many elements of the film in the specific detail, including the weapons you use to survive. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool that they filmed it while they were filming the movie. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's it's good that they had the foresight to do that. Yeah. Um to, you know, to really capture it. Um, I wonder if they're using... I don't, I've never played a VR game. Because, you, know, you know, that's how you get pink eye. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, I'm wondering if they're going to be using... Let's see. Okay, so they must have just, like, taken, like, 3D shots of the rooms and the hallways and stuff, and then just recreated them. That's what it recreated. sounds like, yeah. Okay. I was just wondering if they're using, like, real, like, shots, because, you know, if you're using, like, a a, pic, a picture of a real ha- hallway, and then you incorporate a CGI, 
monster or something. It's a little green ghoul. A little green ghoul. <laughs> it's just, it's going to take you out of it. And that, I think that's the point of VR is to be immersive. So I well, yeah. kind of want everything to be pretty seamless. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, if you're a VR gamer and this sounds exciting to you, uh, Flock of the Low God VR will be available will be available via early access on Steam in early April. That's now. I don't know how early is early, but uh, you can add it to your wish list right now. Production of the game will continue to develop over the summer before hitting a full commercial release this Halloween. Full release. Um, yeah. If you're a VR gamer, fucking Mr. Moneybags over here. Yeah. Must be fucking nice. So I says. It must be fucking nice. I mean, even if I had money for a VR headset, I wouldn't buy one. No, I wouldn't either. It's like it's an investment that you can barely use because <laughs> there's only like a handful of VR games out there. Yeah, and like this isn't like it sounds like it's only available via Steam. So if you have like the whatever the PlayStation one is, the View is that right? Yes. Yeah, does you have that one, or I don't know if Xbox has their own VR gimmick, but. I think I think PlayStation has some kind of well, maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of Xbox. I think maybe Xbox has some kind of stream or Steam adapter or something. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm I not pl- a steamer. Yeah. Well, I I play games, but I'm not a gamer. So yeah, I'm just kind of in the dark with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I only play the PlayStation. I don't I, and and when we play Left 4 Dead, but right. I don't I don't play anything on Steam, so. Right. I'm not a steamer. I don't I don't I don't drop the steamers. Yeah, Cleveland steamer. I'm not not a Cleveland steamer. I'm not from Cleveland. Never been to Cleveland. I have no desire to go to Cleveland. <laughs> Sorry, Cleveland. You have no desire to get a Cleveland steamer in Cleveland. Do you think there's a place that sells clams in Cleveland? First of all, don't buy seafood from a landlocked state. I would but, not buy seafood. But would you buy clams from a place called Cleveland Steamers? Uh, well, I don't like clams. Would you buy a t-shirt from a place called Cleveland Steamers? <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> it's like, oh, like I'd, I'd see it and be like, that's coming home with me. <laughs> yeah, I'll take eight. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Um, it's like, I need one for every day. And I need one to wear while I'm washing the other ones. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, one in every color. Exactly. <laughs> Just a rainbow of Cleveland steamers. <laughs> oh, neat! All right. Well, that's the end of horror business, guys. Are you happy? Are you happy we're done? Because <laughs> this is definitely the most rambling part of the show. Um, let's move on, shall we? do some film reviews. All right, guys. So uh, we talked about it last episode that um, the the 2014 film, uh, Last Shift, has been remade. Last shit. (laughs) I got him. Poopy. Poopy. Um, has been 
has been remade uh, into a film called Malum, which just came out. We finally learned how to say it. All right. <laughs> uh, which makes sense, because it's like, if we would have done even a little bit of research, we would have seen that it is a character named John Malum. Or John? John Malum? Yeah. Uh, which, like, I also feel like Malum is a name I've heard before. It's apparently the Latin word for evil. Ah. Uh, maybe it's not a name I've heard before. Then. <laughs> I feel like people wouldn't name themselves that. Um. Anyway, so I uh, I won't even ask which one we're starting with because I feel that it only makes sense to start with the original. Yes. Last shift. Do we really have to do this now? I'm I'm literally about to start my first shifts. Anybody in here? You are the lucky rookie to work the very last shift in this mausoleum. All 911 calls have been rerouted to the new station, so it should be quiet. Sanford Police Department. destroy your own the ones that lie within your heart the ones you pray for there's so much blood splashing around in there she fell to her knees and bowed to the king that's what payman means it was destined the king of hell So, Last Shift, uh, again, 2014 film, written and directed by Anthony, oh, sorry, sorry, directed by Anthony de Blasi, um, and written by de Blasi and Scott Poily. 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 Sounds like a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> like Poily the parrot or something. <laughs> um, and That's we, how he talks. He talks like an old New York gangster. Yeah, see, I'm poily. Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Was it both of us that thought we had done this before? Yep. Or, okay. Let's swear up and down that we'd already done this one. But... Yeah, we'd both seen it. We've talked about it. And it's like, I've watched it more than once. Like, before I watched it for this episode, I'd, I'd watched it more than once. And it's like, why would I watch it more than once? Unless I was doing it for the show. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this uh, 
takes place in well, actually it doesn't really specify exactly where it takes place, but in, in a town called Sanford, which is Sanford, Florida, because that's where it was filmed. Is it uh, Sanford in this one? It is Sanford, yeah. Oh, because it's Lanford in Malum. Yep. It seems unnecessary change, but I well, because it was filmed in Sanford, Florida, so maybe they just didn't want to change the name. The other one was filmed in Kentucky. And I doubt it was filmed in a town called Lanford, Kentucky. <laughs> That yeah. just seems eerily convenient. <laughs> do you think they named it Sanford because they filmed it in Sanford? Or do you think they're just really big Sanford and Son fans? I think the town... <laughs> Elizabeth! <laughs> it's the big one! <laughs> okay. So uh, this... Uh, centers around uh, Jessica Lauren. She is a new cop on the Sanford Police Department, um, and she is reporting in for her first shift, which just so happens to be taking place at the old Sanford Police Station. Um, sometime over the last year, the, the station has moved to a new uh, location. They, I think they said down the street somewhere. Um, so it's, you know, relatively nearby, but, uh, this place is completely abandoned and is ready, um, to be just completely, you know, decommissioned and shut down. Um, and she is there cause somebody needs to be there all hours of the day. You know, it's a police station. Even, even if it's not an active one, it's still a police station. Somebody needs to be there all hours of the day. And, um, until it's it's closed, um, and she apparently drew the short stick. I guess. <laughs> See, there there was a reason why she was here in Malum, right? In this one, it I don't know. I'm jumping ahead here a little bit. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump. Try, yeah, try and just. Talk about last shift on its own as if Malum didn't exist. And then we'll once when we talk about Malum, then we can kind of do more of a comparing contrast. Okay. Uh so she's at this old you know, police station and she meets with uh Sergeant Cohen. And like her first interaction with this guy is like she's walking down a hallway because she hears some noise. And then she starts hearing, fuck shit, god damn it, you piece of shit. And this guy comes storming out of like he's he's down the hall and out of focus, so you can't really see exactly what's going on. But he comes storming out of a room and starts like hitting the wall. And she's just like, "Excuse me," and he says, "How long you been there?" She's like, "I just got here." He says, "Turn around." <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, I don't know if she knew he that he was who he was that he was this sheriff cohen or sergeant cohen or whatever i mean i don't know who else would be there but i for me if i was in that situation i would not turn around because i'd be like this person's going to shoot me in the back yeah it's like well so she she he says you know she's like what turn around and she turns around and starts walking away you know as i guess she took the implication that he meant to leave go away yeah. yeah So she starts walking away, and she's like, I said turn around, not walk away. So she stops, and he walks up to her, 
and you know introduces himself and you know he's he's more or less polite he's just just like this grizzled old cop he's gruff yeah Yeah. but um so he's kind of got like this asshole demeanor about him but he's he's being cordial more or less with her um and just saying okay yeah you know this is this this station's last night uh it's the last shift Uh, uh, uh um and uh somebody has to be here because we have an evidence room full of hazardous material from, you know, cases that just can't just go in the garbage. And we have to do something with this stuff. So we have a hazmat team coming later tonight to pick all this shit up. Um, and you have to be here to kind of man everything. He says all 911 calls have been rerouted to the, um, to the new station. So everything should be quiet. If anybody comes by here, tell them to go down the street to the new station. Says, you know, here's my number. Um, and, uh, you know, call me if there are any problems. Other than that, you know, good luck. So he takes off. Did you say the calls are being rerouted? Yes. Okay. I missed that. He takes off, and almost immediately the weird shit starts happening. <laughs> um, I mean, it seems like basically throughout, like, there are just kind of strange noises coming from anywhere in the building and you know lights start flickering and shit and uh i think she hears somebody banging at the door and she goes to to check it out and comes she nobody's there and she turns around and there's this homeless guy standing in the lobby like with her with his back to her and she's like you can't be in here can i help you and then he just starts making peepees on the floor. Yeah. It's like, I take a fat piss. Um, then she, oh God, does she like hustle him out? No, she takes him to the holding cell. Not yet. No. No? That's later. I think she hustles him out or he like leaves or something. Um. She, you know, she just goes about her business. She's she's been reading through the um, the uh, Sanford Police, you know, manual. Oh, it's a hot fuzz reference. Yes, it is. Even though I think this was made before. Hot no, I'm pretty sure it was. No, no, hot fuzz was first. No, uh, yeah, hot fuzz was like two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand seven. There you go. Um. Yeah, so like I said, just weird shit. Just like noises and shit just all over the goddamn place. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Lauren forces him outside and he leaves. Okay. Um, and then she starts getting phone calls, even though the calls are all supposed to be rerouted. Yeah, yeah. The phone starts ringing and she gets this very... By the way, we're going to spoil this because it's old. Yeah. It's, it's almost... nine years old. Yeah. Um, it's uh, She gets these, these... Starts getting these very distressed calls from a girl named um, Monica. Um, and uh, she's saying that she's been captured by a cult. Um, and she's managed to get a hold of a phone and, you know, to make these calls. Um, but she's very worried that, you know, that they're going to kill her. And, you know, she's, she's scared. And, um, you know, Lauren, she's trying to get 
as much information out of this girl as possible. Um, but the calls are very short. Um, you know, as soon as she starts like kind of asking questions, the, the call just hangs, you know, gets cut off. Um, and, uh, she keeps getting these throughout the night and like, you know, they're getting more and more distressed. Um, and you know, every time she calls, she calls the main station and says, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm getting calls. I, th- I thought all the calls were, re- re- you know, all the 911 calls were rerouted, but I'm still getting calls here. And I think the guy on the other end says like, you know, if for somebody to call you, they would have had to call that station's extension. So if that's what she's doing, it's like I, I don't know why she's doing it, but if that's what she's doing, she needs to call nine one one so she can get transferred to us. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like every time Lauren tries to tell this Monica to do that, it's like she's just too frantic and, and panicked to really pay attention. Um. So, you know, time progresses a little bit and she starts hearing all this noise coming from one of the back rooms. She goes investigating. And again, the lights keep flickering on and off. Um, and she's, you know, very, very spooky. Spooky stuff. So spooky. Um, and she goes into, I don't know, it looks like maybe like a storage room yeah. or, or like an old record, like file room or something. Um, and the homeless guy is on top of this big-ass shelf digging through all these old files. Um, and, you know, she climbs up there, gives him a little stick time, and handcuffs him. Now, what they didn't show is how she managed to get a handcuffed guy down from this shelf that was probably about six feet tall uh, with his hands behind his back. Like, I don't... Unless she just, like, it's like, all right, you get off. <laughs> Pull his feet out. <laughs> Um, so she takes him back to holding and like earlier when, when Cohen was still showing her around says, you know, that's holding back there. You don't, you don't need to go back there. Um, but she takes him back and puts him in a holding cell. And what else is she going to do? Yeah. <clears throat> she tries to call it in, but like her, her radio's not working. Every time she tries to put a call in, like she gets static back, um, which is never a good sign. Um, You've seen they reach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally have. So they, um, or like she tries to put the guy in the holding cell, and he just like drops to his knees and refuses to go in, and she like goes into the cell and drags him in there. And this is probably, so this is a scene that they actually recreate in, in Malum. And it's actually a pretty good scene in, in both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, she drags the guy in and of course the door closes. So they're both locked in the cell and then the lights go out. She takes out her flashlight and I think probably even her gun and is like, you know, who's in here? Or she, she assumed that, Wait, no. She drops her flashlight somehow. I can't remember exactly what causes it, but she drops um, it. In this one, there there was a face in the window. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. So she, okay, so she gets surprised, and she drops her flashlight. 
um, and it rolls off into the cell. And, you know, the cell is completely black. You can't see, you know, a foot in front of your face. So the, you know, the light, the flashlight gets picked up and starts pointing right, like right in her eyes. It's like, sir, give me back the flashlight, you know, give it back to me now. And the flashlight pans over to the corner of the cell where you see the homeless guy who is knocked out in the corner. Um, so, you know, who's holding the flashlights? <laughs> That's a little, little thinker for you. Mm. A little, little spooky. Yeah. Um, so it's like this kind of shit just starts happening and just rapid fire. Yeah. And it, it's just like one thing after another. And she's still getting these calls from Monica or just getting more and more panicked. Um, and I'm trying to think of how much I want to like cut out and just kind of jump, jump forward. Um, see so yeah i mean it's it's a lot of like classic like haunted house type stuff yeah it's like uh, the lights are flickering you know and she goes into a room and then you know things are rearranged actually one really good scene is like she looks into uh looks like probably an old office or maybe like a um, interrogation room maybe um and then she hears a noise and the camera pans to where she's looking down the hallway. And then it pans back into the into the room and all the chairs are suddenly stacked on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, time to go. <laughs> yeah, but you know, she's like, Oh, I get it. You guys are fucking with me. She's like, Okay, who's here? Like, it's a big practical joke. And I'm like, what human do you think did that? Yeah. That <laughs> no, no, dear. And like, actually, I guess I, I kind of skipped over something right off the bat or Probably one of the first things that happens. I can't remember exactly where in the sequence of events it ha- it occurs, but one of the first things that happens is she's, um, I think investigating a sound, and she man, like she finds her way into the locker room, and she, I think she opens a, or she when she opens a locker, she opens that specific locker. I don't remember. Was there a name written on it? I don't remember. I'm. It's hard to separate the two movies because yeah. so much overlaps. So I'm trying to remember which was from this. Yeah. Because, I mean, just jumping ahead, in Malum, it's her father's locker. In and this... her father was a cop in both of them. So I don't know. Maybe it was her father's locker in this as well. Well, presumably it was because she opens the locker and there's a little f- picture in there. Of a, a, a little girl on on the shoulders of of a man wearing a, a police uniform, and on the back it says like you know, "Daddy and Cuddlebug" or I think that's what it says, and she stuffs it in her pocket. Um, and also you know when when Co- when she introduces herself to Cohen, she says or he you know she says I'm you know Officer Lauren, and he says Lauren, and when she talks to the cop at the news station, she, you know, says, this is officer Lauren. She's like, Lauren, any relationship to, you know, whatever her dad's name, Lauren, Jim, Lauren, I think Jim. Okay. Um, Jim or John or something. One of those J names, <laughs> Jimmy, Joe, Bob, Joey, Joe, Bob, Bob Shabaloo, junior Chabadoo. 
<laughs> Joey Jojo Junior Shabadoo. That's right. Hey, Joey Jojo. <laughs> that's that's the worst name I've ever heard. Um. <laughs> uh. And she says, "Yeah, she, he was my father." And so we come to find out through sequence of events that a year ago, um. Her father was involved in bringing in some members of a cult who had kidnapped four girls, three girls, four girls. It's three in Malin, but it's four in this. Okay. So kidnapped four girls, killed one of them, um, and has them all in holding. And that one was named Monica. Yep. Yeah, and uh, she comes to find out, like, you're talking to the guy at the at the new station. Says, you said, you know, Monica. Or Young. The, you know, Monica Young. She was kidnapped a year ago by the Payman cult. And they killed her. She's dead. Her, her body was found, what, a week later or something like that. She's like, that's not, that's not possible. I was just talking to her. She's like, he's, she's, she's dead. She's fucking dead. <laughs> so, you know, sp- spoopy. And then this, uh, she, oh, sorry. I was, I was still in the locker room. So I wanted to mention this cause it was like a creepy thing. Um, she's in the locker room and she's like in her, presumably her dad's old locker. And as she closes the door, she turns around and there's another locker door like open up in her face, like, you know, right in front of her. And then the camera jumps to like kind of a, you know, a, a wide shot of the room and all the lockers are open. And it's like, that's fucked up. Yeah. See, like those are the kind of subtle, creepy things that I fucking love. Yeah. Yeah. I can do without jump scares. I mean, once in a while, I, Malum had a good jump scare. I think it was Malum. Not sure which one. It had a lot. It did. It did. I guess it should have had. It had some good jump scares. Um, <laughs> there was one, and the lady who was sitting next to us was like, "I wish they wouldn't do that." <laughs> Not because jump scares are annoying, but because it was kept scaring her. Right. She was like, "I am so startled." <laughs> She's like, "My word." Oh, and I gotta get another drink. It's Mountain Dew, guys. Don't get excited. It's not Zima or anything. I wish it was Zima. What's with you and the fucking Zima? Because <laughs> it's, it's funny, I guess. Mountain Dew code flash yellow burst. Yep. That's what it's called. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. The little subtle things that I do. Like, I, I don't need somebody, something jumping out at me. I don't need ghouls and goblins. Little green ghouls. Um, yeah, it's, it's like cheap scares, and that's why fucking like James Bond movies suck. Like that's why I liked the first Paranormal Activity so much. Everything about it was so subtle, and it's like it's just unnerving, yeah. as opposed to just being startling. Yeah, I mean, like, like not to get too far off subject, but Paranormal Activity, the part where you could see like the sheets kind of like going up a little bit, and then. You see her leg get pulled out, mm-hmm. and then she just like suddenly gets like pulled out of the room. That's the kind of shit that's just like, oh wow, yeah. 
when but someone, also like the, the I don't know we're going off on paranormal activity now but um <laughs> the pacing is in a way that like that that scene is later in the movie so it's like everything is so subtle and that that's really like the first big thing that you're just like oh fuck yeah and like it's paced in a way that it really builds up to that moment as opposed to just being bombarded with moments like that yeah for sure for sure for sure no doubt no doubt <laughs> cool 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 cool, cool. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so, um, uh, I can't remember if this was right after this guy tells her that that Monica's dead, um, or, you know, it was still, you know, a few minutes down the line, but she's sitting at the desk, you know, the reception desk, I guess. For lack of a better term. Um, and, uh, she starts hearing... Uh, Monica speaking, like saying, don't let them kill me or something along those lines. And she looks down and there is a girl in her underwear, you know, pale, splotchy, you know, clearly, you know, corpse-like. Good splotchy, Dr. Splotchy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say splotchy. Don't say splotchy. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like one of her eyes was like all messed up. Yeah, her, her face was beaten in and that's uh something that actually a line that was in in both films like her face or the beat her with a baseball bat and, and until she was dead and she didn't look like people anymore yeah um so her which was much more in 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 malum <laughs> um and she like kind of scurries back and like People may or may not have seen these before, but they're basically like mobile kind of file cabinet type things. Um, it's just, it's a space saving thing. Um, they're basically like big, like file and records keeping cabinets that are on tracks and you can roll them to one side or the other. So you don't have to have individual spaces in between each sh- shelving unit. You can kind of move them around to create more space anyway so she scurries back into like in between two of those and something i was like every time i've watched this i know that i've like oh man she better get out of there because she's gonna get crushed like those things are gonna start squeezing together and she's she's gonna get you know fucked up and like that doesn't happen it's like it's a missed opportunity <laughs> yeah um, but she's like, she's, she's back against the wall in between these two units I mean shelving units and like the, the, the ghost is like scurrying around on the floor like a fucking spider. Um, and let's see, there's this, I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over, but you kind of are, but. It's fine. It's it's not um, the, the the sequence of this stuff happening. It's not the most linear. No. Yeah. Um, there's a scene that's in both both movies. The way it's done in this one is you can hear the homeless guy like pounding on the door of the holding cell. Yeah. And so she goes and he's like, you know, up against the glass. He's got his whole face taken up the glass. It's just one of those little, little tiny little rectangle windows. And he's screaming, you know, let me out, let me out, you gotta let me out. And she's like, you know, sir, just back away from the window. And he moves away from the window and you see these bodies hanging behind him. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it's done in Malum is a little bit different. But when when we were at the theater, you were just like, "That's the moment where you're like, nope, I'm out. 
because I either saw that or I'm going crazy. And either way, I shouldn't be here anymore. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like to 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 say the 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 pie in this one's the Pyman cult. Mm-hmm. Um, the their cult leader is um Michael Payman, and they worship Pyman. Payman Pyman. Who is a man not made out of pies, but he's a man who makes and sells pies. Yeah, simple Simon was a pieman. Yeah, and he also can bring dead things back to life, but only once. And then if he touches them again, they're dead forever. What? Pushing daisies? Never watched it? No. Oh, it's great. He's a pieman. He's, he's a pie maker. They call him the pie maker ah. throughout the whole show. Got it. Um... Yeah, so we come to find out that about you know the kind of the backstory of this, this payment cult um, led by a set like I said John Michael Payman, um, who's you know a Charles Manson type, mm-hmm. um, a dirty dirty hippie looking guy. Yeah, and he's got his you know his harem, yeah, <laughs> of crazy girls uh, who just worship and hang on his every word, um, hang on his dick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, and they were all brought in. Um, and, you know, when she, when, she, when Lauren's talking to the guy at the other station, says, yeah, I mean, we, we brought in three of them, but, you know, there were dozens of members of this cult. So they're still- Dozens! <laughs> um, or not, maybe not dozens, but I think he says like a dozen or something, implying that there are still people out there part of this cult that were never actually brought in, but he said, but you know, we keep track of them. You know, we're, they're, they're not just out there, you know, being un, unmanaged, you know, we're, we're, we, we have an eye on them at all times. Um, and, uh, let's see. Yeah. But so the, these three were, were brought in, um, and while they were in their cells, and this is being told to us by a, uh, a, a hooker with a heart of gold <laughs> by the name of Marigold, um, who, who played the same character in both movies. I was, when I was watching this one, I was like, is that the same actress? Yeah. Um, she says that, you know, she was in there for prostitution. Um, and in the course of the night, these three cult members... I like that Wikipedia calls her a solicitor or a uh, loiterer. <laughs> I'm like, nope, that's not what she was. <laughs> I mean, I guess at that time she was a loiterer. <laughs> yeah. Um, she uh, says that at some point in the night, these three um, cult members went through, went around. Wait, I think maybe I'm starting to cross over. Did they go in around and? No, they just hung on themselves. Okay, so they just so they hung themselves in their cell. They put pillowcases. Or they they put um, inverted pentagrams there in blood on pillowcases. Put them over their heads and no, hung. That's Malum. They did both. Did they? Yeah. Because there was also people walking around with plastic bags on their heads in this one. Were they plastic bags, or did they just look that way because they were all slimy? Oh, maybe. I'm pretty sure they were pillowcases because at one point it looked like, like they like I saw them like girl like putting a finger in her mouth and like writing on it with blood. So 
mouth blood of some sort. Mm. Anyway, she should floss more. <laughs> Gingivitis. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, and so presumably those are the the the, the entities that are um, haunting this police station. And the guy at the other station says, "Hey, look, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Not people don't really talk about it, but." You know, that after that night, weird things just started happening all the time. You know, it started out kind of simple at first, lights flickering, things like that. But then people started seeing things. Things were moving around. Um, and it got so bad that eventually the, the, the captain went to the city and said, hey, we need to get out of this building. And so the weird part is the, like, official story was that the, uh, you know, Payman and his followers were all killed during this raid of their compound. Yes, that's true. Yep. For whatever reason, the public was not told that they were brought in alive and committed suicide in their cells. I don't really understand why, but. Maybe to prevent a panic by the other cult members. But yeah, you might even like embolden the other cult members or, you know, might make the public might say, oh, you know, this is satanic. You know, they were sacrificing. So I'm speculating. Yeah. And also Jessica's dad was killed in the raid. Yes. And that's something that doesn't really, and we can get into this, but it's just like, it didn't make sense that she was just happened to be assigned to the same uh, police station where her dad was killed but he was killed at the compound wasn't he i don't think so i thought so i thought that was what they said i don't know that that was what uh price said maybe maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to not just read this Wikipedia. Well, yeah, it says Price confirms that the murderous cult was captured alive and tells her that her father, who died apprehending them, would be proud of her. Okay. Well, there you go. And Price, by the way, is a, a cop. He comes in, you know, saying, hey, you know, you're calling the station and they sent me down here to kind of check in on you, see how you're doing. He says that, you know, he was, he worked with her dad. He was, um, you know, he was, he was a good man and you know, he was with him that night when he, when he died and just, yeah, says, you know, I know that your dad, if he could see you now, he'd be proud of you. It's just like, okay, so I got to go. She's like, you, you don't have to go. Cause she was kind of like tossing him shit at first, um, for being kind of a smart ass. She says, no, you, you, you don't have to go. And he says, no, I, I, I do. Um, said, so, but you know, if you need anything, don't hesitate to call me. And then he turns around and he's got a big old hole in the back of his head. Yep. Uh, so he did. Um, and then and like, it's cool when he walks out of the room, he like walks around the corner and he walks past a window and it's like, there's a window and then there's a larger window that leads out to the outside and you see him walk through the window and then you never see him walk out that other window. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. The windows, like right, the smaller windows, like right next to a doorway, right. And so he walks past that window, presumably through the doorway, but never, yeah, he never actually appears in in the like globby area. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's another thing that's like that's so good. Yeah, it's so simple and just so subtle. Yeah. 
Um, and at no point does she say, well, actually, I should say she does call Cohen at one point and say, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think I can finish this shift. I, I got to go. Um, See, if that was me, I'd be calling from my car because I'd already be on the way home. I would have already left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be like, burn that place to the fucking ground <laughs> and collect the insurance because it is fucked. Right. Um, she says, you know, I don't, I'm starting to see things and I, I'm starting to lose it. And I, I don't think I should, I, I don't think I can finish the ship. And, uh, she's like, okay. or he says, you know, I think he says like, should I expect, or can I report, um, your resi- resignation to the captain in the morning then, uh, or something along those lines. Yeah. Right? Um, and I don't know. She has a sudden change of heart. It's like why? Why? It's like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. If that's what it takes to get me out of this building, sure, no shit. Um. Anyway, so she like things start to like really fall apart. Like things are just going crazy left and right, and she's starting to see people running around, and she thinks at first that they're intruders. Which makes no sense to me because after the shit she's seen already, why would she just think that somebody just suddenly broke in? <laughs> Although I guess the the guy at the other station has told her it's like, you know, there are still members of this cult. Yeah, out he's there. Like, like, you know, they they might they might be down there. You know, we'll, we'll send somebody over as soon as we can, but, um, but uh, you know, it's like just be careful, you know. Keep an eye out. And so she's starting to think that, like, yeah, these are the other cult members that have broken in. She gets knocked out, wakes up in a, an interrogation room with somebody from the cult who has taken her gun belt. Or no. Mm-hmm. Well, I jumped ahead a little bit, I guess. She... I don't know. Important. This isn't important. Okay, so she wakes up in the in the interrogation room and... This girl, this woman from the cult, um, saying, you know, he may be dead, but I still follow his every word. She takes Lauren's gun, puts it to her own head, and, and pulls the trigger, and, you know, pops her brain out the other side. Um, and that's when Lauren starts to see people running around, people with, you know, bags over their heads or pillowcases or whatever they may be. Um, and then, like, there's this one scene, though. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's the first person she sees, but she sees she looks down the hallway and she just sees this body. This is what I was just going to talk about. Oh, yeah. it's so good. It's it's being dragged, but by an invisible force. Like yeah. you just see this body, like you know, drag, stop, drag, stop, and then it's like someone just lifts it up. Yeah, almost like it almost looks like it's being like sh- strung up. Yeah, like like around its neck, and the body's just limp. And is, yeah, being lifted up in, into the air by nothing. And then it puts its foot on the floor. And then its other foot. And it starts, like, coming at her. And is that when she starts shooting? I think so, yeah. Okay, so she just starts unloading uh, left and right. Because there's just fuckers running all over the goddamn place. Um, and she's just, like, unloading clips, you know. And just chasing them down all over the station. Um... And she has this interaction with 
it's it's somebody wearing payman's clothes like his he has like these yellow mustard you know, mustard yellow corduroys and a brown leather jacket so you know it's must be payment he turns around and this is what you probably you'll what you'll see on the poster um actually maybe not this poster i guess but there is a poster of it's uh, the most famous poster yeah, i think it's like a de- demonic face with a pentagram cut into its face and that's what she sees um and uh I guess she probably starts shooting it or in, tries to run away. Anyway, so she's just like, sh- like again, like I said, shooting people left and right. Um, and suddenly she snaps in into reality and takes a slug. Back to life. Yep. You know what it was? Was her, she got a phone call from her dad who told her that cult members were sieging the the police station. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Um, Remember, her dad's dead. Yes. <laughs> so it's quite peculiar. Yes. Um, I always love it in movies, too. It's like, she answers the phone and it says, you know, cuddle bug. And she's not just like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. She's like, dad? Like, just so willing to accept it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, if I were to get a call from somebody... Saying that they were like a dead relative, even if they had that dead relative's voice or one that sounded like it, I would not just immediately jump to, oh, it must be them. Right. Because they're dead. Yeah. Again, I'd be like, who the fuck is this? Anyway, so fucking funny. So she goes on this shooting rampage and um, suddenly she snaps back into reality and she takes a shot in the, the middle of the chest and goes down. You know, she's coughing up blood and we, you know, she's got a flashlight shining in her face, but when the light moves, you see that it's Sergeant Cohen who shot her and kind of look around or the the camera kind of pans around and the person that she just shot, who was it? Payman? I think so. Okay. Uh, You see that it's actually uh, a man in a hazmat suit. (laughs) Uh, and it kind of jumps back in time a little bit where she, you know, she is in her days thinking that she's being, you know, besieged by cult members. It's actually this guy from the hazmat company who came to pick up all this hazmat evidence, uh, begging her not to shoot him because it looks like he's already been shot in the leg Mm -hmm. and she's like, don't, and she's, does she have a shotgun at this point? I think she just has the handgun. Okay. Um. I couldn't remember if there's a shotgun in this one. I don't think there was in this one. Um, so, yeah, she's standing there, you know, saying, you know, or actually, she doesn't say anything, I guess. I don't think so. I think she's just standing there with the gun pointed at him. Yeah. And, you know, he's begging her not to shoot him. And then he does. And then she does. And we, the, the jumps back again and pan, camera pans over and you see there's another guy who's been shot, you know, the guy in, in a hazmat suit. And, you know, she's sta- sitting there. Bleeding, um, you know, starting to cough up blood and just like, I don't understand. She's like, that wasn't them. That wasn't them. And Cohen starts calling in, you know, officer down, officer down. Um, and while he's doing this, Payman and his little groupies come over and 
put a bag over put her a head. bag over her head, and that's that's where the movie ends. <clears throat> um, it's, it's a good movie. It's very good, um, especially for such a low budget movie. Like, I mean, it was. I guess it it's not say. on here. But I mean, you could tell it's low budget. I mean, not like micro budget where everything looks shoddy. This actually looks like a legit film. I just don't know what the budget was. But um, it really uh, did a good job of, you know, shooting in a, in one location is, is a hard thing to do. It keep it interesting, you know. And this, to be transparent this movie did drag at times because of that singular location um but overall it did a really good job of kind of um keep the story you know kept the story moving uh despite being in, in one location um i guess they were just in you know enough locations within the location to kind of have different yeah it was, it was, you know, Cheese did that thing that I, I'm pretty sure your wife does too, where she'll come in halfway through and then make you have to explain everything that's happened up until then. <laughs> and then, of course, it's like, hmm, still don't understand. <laughs> like, as she's watching it more. And I'm just like, I gotta be like, the story's not super linear. Like, it's yeah. not really like. You know, in an exposition way where it's like this happens, then this happens, and this happens, and this leads to this, and this leads to this. It's it is more of just like a bunch of freaky stuff that happens in an escalating manner. Yeah, and you know, like like I said, or I think like I said earlier, and you you mentioned like the way I was describing things. It's like this is just shit that was happening. The way I said it didn't isn't necessarily how it happened in the film or you know the order, but. Mm-hmm. Until I mean, the, like, except for like the beginning and the end, things that happened in the middle, it's kind of modular. You really could have moved yeah, around, really. and it wouldn't have affected the, the overall progression of the story. And it's funny too, because like even before we got to the end, she was like, "So is is she imagining this, or is it all supernatural?" And I was like, "It's never really quite clear." Yeah, like I mean, she was definitely. Uh, imagining it, it was all a hallucination, but we don't know if that was caused by something supernatural. Right. Um, oh, I wonder if this is current. This says that it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, based on 10 reviews. It's, it's not a lot. It's probably not current. Um, but either way, I mean, like, I feel like this caught a lot of shit from people did it yeah i mean like i mean it wasn't it, a very it does still have 100 percent. does it really yeah i mean it's still only 10 reviews but 51 percent audience scores um yeah i mean I, I can't cite any specific references um as far as bad reviews but i've just kind of over the years i've seen people say that oh yeah that, that's a movie's lame I remember hearing very good things, which is why I watched it in the first place. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what made me watch it was when I heard good things and was like, because I'm not I'm not big on ghost stories. I mean, I've I've made that clear over the years, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know something about the 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 theme of this, like you know, being 
in a police station, which is not something you would typically see. You know, it could be like a, you, you know, usually some kind of house. Yeah. Or, you know, this this movie could have easily been put in like, um, uh, you know, an old psych, you know, an old mental uh, hospital or something. Yeah. Um, I like that it's not like an old abandoned police station. Like it's it's abandoned because they're all moving to the new police station. But right. it's not like the old abandoned police station that on the outskirts of town or something. Right. Yeah. 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 That nobody goes there anymore or anything. Like there's a reason for her to be there. Yeah. This actually was an old abandoned prison. This what? Where where they shot? It was actually. In, in, oh, it was. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. And I think the the new one. Malum was an abandoned. I think it was an abandoned police station. Could be wrong though. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, good stuff on this one. Uh, and um, was this was this the Plazzi's first movie? I don't know. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. Oh, he did Midnight Meat Train, Bef- which was before this. Okay. See, Midnight Meat Train got a lot of hype, and I was never really a big fan of it. I thought it was all right. He did Extremity, which was not good. I don't. Did I see that? Did we do that on the show? Yes. Which one was that? Oh, was that the Haunted House one? The like Extreme Haunt one? Yes. Yeah, would, yeah no, I didn't care for that. It was not good. Oh, he did Most Likely to Die, too. Most Likely to Die. I did not care for that one. I think I wrote a review on the website back when I was doing that. Oh. <laughs> back in those days. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember this. I haven't watched it, but I remember you doing something with this. Does it just look like a... Uh an episode of, of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Or is it actually like an episode of Are You it Afraid of the Dark? It kind of has that vibe. It kind of has that teen horror vibe. Got it. Anyway. Um, but no, I enjoyed this one very much. Uh, even on a second watch. I, you said this is what, your third watch? This would be, this was my third, yeah. Holds up? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a solid little movie. Um like I said, you know, it being in a in a singular location doesn't seem to really hurt it all that much. Um, you know, they they've put together a, a good enough story to where it's good at being self-contained without needing a lot of I mean, it's not a one-person show. I mean, the the, the movie centers around um Lauren, Jessica, yeah, Jessica and Jessica, um, and you, but they, you know, they got the cult members, and you've got the other the cops who are either on or off screen, um, but you know, the majority of of the, of the film centers around um, Jessica, and she she carries the movie pretty well. This is a Juliana Harkavy, who, if you've watched like, um really any of the CW superhero shows. She's, she was on that or on those. Um, I have not. It's speaking broadly to the audience, mm, to the broads, to the, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but no, the acting was really good. The, the, I mean, the story, the story was great. Yeah. Like I said, there's, you know, the story is, there's not really a strong story per se in a linear way, but the, uh, yeah, like the, the reason premise, for, I guess the premise. Like, yeah. The premise is very strong and like the, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it's delivered, like we said earlier, you know, it's delivery of genuinely creepy stuff rather than just cheap jump scares. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate that about it. Yeah. Uh, so number. I will give it an eight. I will also give it an eight. There you go. How about that? Have I at all? <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the brand new in theaters now remake of Last Shift titled Malum. I can see the fear in your eyes. You saw something you can't explain. Wait, rookie. Call's been rerouted to the new station. So it should be quiet. Right. There's an emergency. The station's number's on the desk. Shall be fine. Hello? They told us that Captain Lauren's daughter would be joining the department. Yes, sir. Just want to work where my father worked, even if it's for one night. He was a hero. Until he wasn't, you know. Lanford Police Department. You don't know what happened. But your father was no saint. Your daddy started something very important. Tonight we're going to finish it. The Temple Baron will bring forth the Low God. And I will be Redeemer. Infinite Mountain. I can't do this anymore. Just get me out. We pray in the temple of the Low God. All right, so Malum, uh, also uh, directed by Anthony de Blasi, written by Anthony de Blasi and Scott Poiley. Uh, this is probably going to be a fairly short review for a multitude of reasons. One, it's a remake, and it's a lot of it is the same. So I would just be kind of rehashing. Also, there's no plot synopsis on Wikipedia, so I'm going almost entirely from memory. <laughs> That's always the worst. 
is when yeah. you have to see a brand new movie that's in theater. And you know, when when we watch, you know, a more major film like one that was put out like a big studio or something, usually by the time we get sit down and do this, there's something on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's always all there, all that's on there is a cast list, pretty yeah. much. Whenever we do a smaller movie like this, it's always a crapshoot whether or not there's going to be something useful on Wikipedia. Yeah. And then the third reason is because, the, the, you know, I don't want to spoil, because I will tell you right now, the ending is very different, so I don't want to spoil that for you. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be the same, though. You did, yeah. You mentioned something while we were watching it. Because it was leading that way. Which probably was intentional. Uh, probably. But so, I mean, right off the bat, the big difference is we get this cold open of we see, um, is it John? Do we know her dad's name? Joey Joe Bob. Joey Joe Joe Jr. Chabadoo. Um, it can't be John because that's John Malum. Um, Joe? Jim? Ah, uh, hell. I think it might be Jim. We see, yeah, like even the cast list on IMDb. It's literally not, just just the actors. It has no character yeah, names. It's not not great. Go ahead. I'll, oh, uh, Will, Will. Oh, okay. So Will Lauren, uh, Captain Je- Will Lauren, Jessica's dad. He's like they just all the cops just got done playing basketball, <laughs> and they're hanging out in the locker room. This is big fat naked guy walks through <laughs> walks through the scene. The only nudity in both of these movies. Yep. Fat man's naked ass. Yep. Um, but you know, we find out that he, similar to the last shift, you know, he took down this cult. But obviously, in this one, he didn't die in the process. He's back. Um, and he, you know, he's got a newspaper clipping in his locker. He opens it up and it says, you know, hero cop takes down cult or whatever. Um, hero tutor teaches kids. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so everybody like stands up and gives him a big round of applause and everything. And, but then I don't know if it's the same day. I think it's the same day. We see these other two cops at the shooting range and all of a sudden Will comes in with a shotgun and just starts blasting them. So anyways, I'm blasting. <laughs> so anyways, I start blasting. And then we see, you know, he's like sitting in a holding cell and he's, there's a body at his feet. He's holding the shotgun and there's just like cops surrounding it, pointing their guns at him and saying, drop the weapon, drop the weapon. Yeah. Like my favorite, favorite part of this is like the, like you don't know entirely what's going to happen, but we jump to the, the shooting range and there are these two cops, a, a, a man and a woman cop. Um, they're both, you know, shooting and apparently they had some kind of rendezvous, mm-hmm. uh, a tryst <laughs> the night before. And she's like, see, this is why I don't fuck people you, I work with. Cause uh, he couldn't get it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, kind of, you know, give me another chance, you know, leading into this kind of thing. And then suddenly her, her head explodes Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets it too. And so, yeah, this is when we find out that Will is on a rampage. Yeah, you don't see Will at that point. Like, it's literally just they're talking, and all of a sudden, bam, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then it pans over, and there's Will holding the shotgun. So, yeah, that was, like, that's a good, like, this is 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. If that. If that, yeah. 
So fast forward one year later. Uh, Wait, did you finish out that scene? I think so. Wasn't that the end when he was just sitting in the holding cell and all the cops were surrounding him? Wasn't that the end of the scene? Uh, well, it's, I don't actually, Oh, I guess he does. Yeah, I can't remember if it actually shows it, but it implies that he put the put the gun in his mouth. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, fast forward a year later. Jessica is now a cop. It's her first shift. And she specifically asked to work the last shift at this police station because it's the police station her father worked at. And she wanted to be able to work there where he worked, even if it was just for one night. Which makes so much more sense. Yeah. Now there's a reason for it. Um, I did find this synopsis, which is kind of not great. Better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she... In this one, Cohen is just a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, you know, you're saying the last shift, he's kind of gruff, but still very, you know, helpful. Yeah. In this one, like she walks Shakes in. Shakes her hand. And, you know. Yeah. In this one, she walks in and he's like kicking a basketball around. Yeah. He's just, again, just like, you know, motherfucker, piece of shit. And, you know, same thing. Turn around. Tells her to turn around. And, and then he's, you know, starts telling her how stupid she is for taking this shift and all this stuff. And <laughs> The scene where she calls him later, kind of jumping ahead, but it's so much better in this one. Yeah. Because she says, you know, I can't do this. And he goes, you need to shut the fuck up and finish your shift. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll finish the shift. And he goes, and what? And, she's <laughs> like, and I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> Lean over to you. And I was like, that's so degrading. <laughs> like, so like perfect though. It's that's such a like, dick move. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do that to somebody someday. Yeah. But so like Cohen too, when he says, you know, when she tells him that she's officer Jessica Lauren, he's like, oh, like Will Lauren? And he basically says, you know, your dad was a piece of shit. He's yeah. like, I worked with those people that he killed and your father can fucking rot in hell for all I care. Yeah. Um, But he says, you know, here's, if anything goes wrong, here's my cell number, but don't take this as a invitation to girl talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like, has no respect for her as an officer. Right. Uh, so, but, you know, they're fucking rookies. Schmelz. <laughs> fucking schmelz. <laughs> so, uh, in this one, she starts getting phone calls, and instead of being the victim, it, she's just getting prank calls from, uh, you know, assumedly these cultists. They're, you know, calling her piggy and all this stuff. Um, I guess I forgot to mention, on the way in, we actually see she drives by the new police station and some of the remaining cult members are sitting on the steps singing. It, in both movies, they have this song that they sing. And so she... Dude, I fucking... Like, I, I couldn't sing sing it back for you. But I couldn't understand any of the words. I, I could understand most of them. Um, but, like, in my, I didn't retain it as a memory. But I know that every time I heard it, in my head, I kept hearing uh, Away in a Manger. Mm. And like now, like that, it was just on repeat in my head <laughs> for like fucking hours last night, all this morning. And it probably will be again by the end of the day. But no, it's an original song because I saw in the, in the credits it said, 
Malum song or whatever the and it's like written by Anthony de Blasi. Oh yeah, no, I have no no doubt about that. It's 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 very sing songy. It sounds like something you hear yeah, in like, like Sunday a, school. Almost sounds like a lullaby or something. Yeah, um, maybe like a hymn or something. Yeah, it it has very. I mean, it's, it's to listen to the words. It has religious context to it, but it's about worshiping a demonic entity. Yeah, <laughs> not God. <laughs> Yeah, and this one the cult's a little different. Um, it's the the guy's name is Malum. Uh, I think I think it's just John Malum, or uh, did he have a third name? Joey Joe. Joey Jojo Malum, Shabadoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the the cult is called um, the Flock of the Low God, and they pray to this low god that they um, they always talk about, and. Malum in this one. Get low. Get low. Get low. Get low. Boots. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Malum is more of kind of a Jim Jones than a Charles Manson. Younger than Jim Jones, obviously. But um, just in the way he carries himself. Yeah. I mean, even in Last Shift, you know, Payman was... He had an air about him similar to Manson, but he was still like a religious zealot, whereas Manson wasn't. It's true. He, so he had that religious thing about him similar to you know Jim Jones, but he his personality was very Manson. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of those kind of um, subtle moments that we talked about. Uh, there's actually this one where the camera's kind of very slowly panning across her. I think she's on the phone and you see a person behind her wearing like the pillowcase over their heads. And then like, by the time it pans over to her other side, they're not there. Right. And I even like leaned over to you and I was like, did you see that? But I, there's, I feel like there's less of it in this one. This one's a little more in your face. Yeah. I mean, like as far as like, Jump scares go like like I mentioned earlier. It, it does have a handful of them, but they were like pretty good. Rather, I mean, they weren't like hokey cheap shit. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else can I talk about? Um, in both these movies, Palum and, and Payman, uh, Malum and Payman, both talk about how you know they're going to come back for everything that you love. And and destroy everything that you hold dear. Uh, man, I wish I could talk about the end because it's something else. Bonkers. Yeah. Um, There's actually the, a new poster just came out that kind of gives away the end. Does it really? It's got the demon on it. Oh. Well, so did Last Shift. Of course, that demon wasn't really... It wasn't so much a demon. And it also wasn't all that crucial to the story. Yeah, this one, like this, if you had watched Last Shift, you wouldn't think that there was a, a demon in this one. No. Yeah, but it's... That was a curveball. It's not the low god, right? Or is it? Yeah, the Temple Baron. Temple Baron, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, you actually see him manifest... And if you've seen this poster, I, I mean, I, I think I think I saw it on Bloody Disgusting this morning. Um, it's, it's not it's not the best. It's not. Yeah, the the design 
could have used a, a little bit more workshopping. Yeah, I mean, the like execution of it is well done. Sure, yeah. Um, it's very creepy. And it's like, it's got, you know, its chest is all like open and stuff. It's got a very Cenobite feel about mm-hmm. it. But the face is a, it's a little, a little silly. S- stupid. <laughs> I'll just say it. It's dumb. Um, it's like, you said there's a poster out? Yeah. Okay. I won't dig. I mean, I know it's probably not just out there where people are looking at it on every street corner. So I'll be brief but yeah the, there's this demon has a pentagram like a skin pentagram face like an inverted pentagram and it's like okay yeah that's the poster and like you know the pentagram has been used for you know millennia but, you know, I think it, I was doing a, l- a little bit of research on this just to kind of back up my argument. Like, I think it said the first instances of it being used were like in, in Greece and just like as a five pointed star, not so much like the pentagram as you think about it in like satanic terms. But it says, like, they talk about how this demon is like pre biblical, like in, you know, an ancient god, like before Christianity. Um, and it's like the, 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 the pentagram <laughs> was not associated with like Satanism or, you know, evil or, you know, demonic things until like the sixties. <laughs> so it didn't really make any sense. Um, I mean, over the church, like even the Christian church used inverted pentagrams in its iconography. So, like, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. And it it didn't look good. <laughs> like, I appreciate the effort, and I feel like it, it could have looked cool. Like, it, probably if they just redid the head, it probably would have looked cool. Oh, yeah, the, the body is cool. Like you said, very kind of Cenobite-esque. I think instead of, because of the way that it's done, it's kind of like the skin is peeled back from like the top, you know, two sides and then the bottom corners and then the very bottom to make like a five-pointed star. Mm -hmm. I think if they had peeled it back and had him have like an exposed skull or something, as opposed to being pulled forward, that could have looked pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. I've Honestly, I mean, like I think if it didn't, like if they would have taken you saw it pulled up? Uh no, but I can pull it back up real quick. Yeah, so the ring thing, the, the bones, ring of bones, get rid of that. Yeah. Get rid of all the pentagram stuff and just like that that face alone is plenty. Maybe yeah. give it some horns. Sure. Horns are always good. For demons, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean Azrael from Dogma had horns. That's how we knew he was a fucking he's demon. A fucking demon, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That just wasn't working for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've seen last shift and haven't seen Malum yet, then you're like, what are they talking about? What demon? There's no demon, but, uh, there is a demon in this one. So like I said, the end is quite different. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's as far as we'll get into the ending. Um, right. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to give that away. 
Um, Another just, big like it, it, it's it's kind of a throwaway line, but when you like think about it, it's interesting. Is that they mention that there's black mold in the holding area, mm-hmm. and even says like that shit will cause hallucinations, which I I don't think black mold I'm does. Sure that's not true, but <laughs> it'll cause like emphysema, <laughs> right? But so it's like, so was this all just a hallucination caused by black mold? I mean, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but this one doesn't feel as much as a hallucination as it does in Last Shift. No. This one seems a little more like it actually happened. Yeah. Which is crazy, because crazier things happen in this one. Right. Yeah, and like, in, in Last Shift, Jessica, she's, before she goes in to start her Last Shift... The titular last shift, you know, yeah. Um, she's sitting out in her patrol car, um, which, like, in both movies, I am almost certain that they don't give rookies their own patrol cars. I wouldn't think so. I'm pretty sure you have to ride along at least with a partner for a while. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so she's sitting out in her, in her patrol car, talking to her mom on the phone, and her mom's. I can't remember how the conversation went, but, you know, um, but it seemed like they have a very good relationship. Something that they changed in this was that she has a very bad relationship with her Yeah, kind of splintered relationship. Yeah, I mean, she calls her mom by her first name. Yeah. Um, Diane. (laughs) I was thinking of it the whole time. I wasn't sure if you'd get it. <laughs> Same. I was going to say it to you, and I was like, I don't know if you'll get the reference. <laughs> Diane. Diane. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good old Mad TV. Oh, I love Alex Borstein. <laughs> yeah, her mom plays a much bigger role in this one. Yeah. Her mom looked so familiar too, but I was looking at her IMDb and like, she's been in things that I've seen, but I don't know why I would like recognize her from them. Hmm. Um, so. So this article I'm looking at says that her dad was a part of the cult. I'm like, that's not how I took that. No. And that's, that's getting into spoiler territory, you know, Talking about that stuff. Yeah. But also, like, there's a part where Price, who in this one has a sweet mustache, <laughs> is like, your dad was a great guy until he wasn't. And he kind of, like, points at his head like he lost his mind. But he also kind of did it like it was a gun. Yeah, I took that to men when he blew his head out, head off, along with other people's. Yeah. Uh, plenty of gore in this one. I mean, there's plenty of gore in Last Shift, but this one has even more. Yep. Um Better effects. I, I don't know if his budget was better, but I assume yeah. it must because he had a studio behind him. Yeah, no, this is you know a very Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, not so much like where Evil Dead could be thought of as the first movie and Evil Dead Two as second. No, this is much more of a remake. Yes, um, but the visuals are great. Like. Pretty much all the stuff that was in Last Shift, like they kind of they redid a lot of it, but you know, 
amped it up and and really executed it well. Um, something we were talking about though on the way out of the theater is that like you know there seemed like there was a lot more to this, but at times it felt a little convoluted. Mm-hmm. Like by the end, I was like, "There's there's a little too much." Yeah, because. You know, in both of these movies, you have a lot of these scenes where it's like, oh, I heard a noise. You know, I got to go investigate that. And then ultimately, you know, I'd say nine times out of ten, it turns out to be nothing. It's just a, a noise. You know, in in these movies, you know, it's not nothing, but it appears to be nothing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I feel like that still happened a lot in this movie, but then there was more stuff going on as well. And so it just felt like they're like really packing a lot of stuff in. Um, yeah, as to where Last Shift, maybe you could say, you know, didn't have strong enough of a story. This one might have had too much of a story. Yeah. So I really think if de Blasi does it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, what's the runtime on this? You, you... It's like 136 or something like that. I saw okay, it before. So, so about the same time as... Uh... As last shift, then yeah. There's definitely things I like better in this. Yeah, um, you know I like that they gave her a reason for being there at that specific time and place. Um, the backstory of her dad, I probably could have taken her leave and leave left left. <laughs> taken her left sounds weird though. Um, yeah, it's, there's there's definitely things about this one that I liked more than Last Shift, but I think overall I like Last Shift better. I I'm leaning towards agreeing with that. I feel like I would have to see this one more time to That's really. That's fair. Cuz I mean, you know, I'm a big effects guy, like you know, monsters and and that type of shit. That that really, you know, you know, gets me hard when I'm watching a movie. Um, but, uh, and, and the, the visuals in this were so much better. Yeah. Like the, the, <laughs> so they're like the, the cult members. And this isn't, this isn't really a spoiler. I don't think, um, you know, towards the end of the movie where things start kind of, the wheels start coming off and, you know, like shit is really going down. She's being, stalked by not just these people who she thinks are the cult members, but like dead demonic versions of them. And, you know, again, they've got the pillowcases over their heads um, with, you know, the, the, the pentagrams drawn on them in blood. And this one, there's a, there's a specific symbol it's, you know, in the, in last shift, it's just the inverted pentagram in this one, but there's like an inverted pentagram, you know, in a circle. And then there's, there's like a point underneath and like horns looking things that yeah. comes out of the, the, the point. Mm-hmm. It's a brownish area with points. <laughs> um, which appears to be maybe like a staff from the, the te- temple baron or, or something. Anyway. Um, but yeah, just the way they looked like, you know, it was kind of it was creepy in last shift for sure, but in this one they really amped it up because it's like 
you know, their their masks are like covered in goo, so they look like slick, like almost leathery, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just like pillowcases. Um, and you know, they've got their eyes, you know, eyes cut out and, and a mouth area cut out, and their skin is just like that really splotchy, sallow, dead, yeah, dead look. And like their lips and their gums and stuff are all black, and they're you know they're wearing like these really cool uh, uh, contacts that you know that really make their eyes look uh creepy as fuck and they're they're in both movies their teeth are like filed to points but it's much more pronounced in this i don't think it was with just the the cult members though i think it was like payman and and, and malum had their teeth in, in like pointy teeth i think right I, I mean in this one it's all of them is it yeah huh okay well either way it's it's or at least a handful of them Okay, that 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 look was cool. Like I really liked that. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen these. Yeah, they they kind of pop up a little, you know, real quick. Um, I guess they did have pointy teeth. Um, and yeah, you know, a for effort with the with the the demon. Um. Like I said, I think it could have used some more workshopping, but uh, it, I, I just I like Last Shift's ending better. Yes, Last Shift. Yeah, so uh, this one. I don't know if this is giving something away. This one reminded me a lot of the ending. Reminded me a lot of Hereditary. You know, I just saw that in this article I was reading, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's giving something away. I don't think it is. I don't think so. Um, but that's kind of the vibe I got from it. Um, and, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think right now, I think I'm, I'm agreeing with you that I prefer Last Shift overall. Yeah. Um, I would like to probably see this again at some point to really kind of cement that but like i said i think there's definitely like things about this that they kind of cleaned up from last shift mm-hmm. that really kind of you know added a bit more story you know gave the dad some backstory explained why she was there stuff like that that really worked out better there's a line in both movies that stood out to me because i was just like wow he really liked that line apparently <laughs> when marigold says i would bet my tits and a carton of cigarettes right <laughs> A lot of her dialogue was the same, wasn't it? It was pretty pretty close, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I really have anything else to to say. Yeah, I mean, there's this really weird kind of. It's not a dynamic because it's just her, but like uh, Jessica throughout the whole movie, like you know, is still still reveres her dad. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is just like your dad was a fucking psychopath. Yeah, and so it's this weird kind of like, like I get it, it's her dad, but he also went on this murderous rampage. So it's like, how are we supposed to feel about him? Right. Yeah, and then you kind of find out, you know, the backstory behind all that. Sort of. Yeah, what I'm saying, you get the backstory, and. and th- maybe three quarters of an explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but no, I mean, saying last I liked last ship better doesn't mean that I disliked this at all. I thought this was this was very good. It was um, like I said, a lot of it I did like better. Um, it looks great, like we were saying. The effects and the gore are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, this would, in the story, the story yeah. is like and the story is leaps and bounds better than last shift because it it's so much more dialed in yeah um and you know things that needed emphasizing you know they, they got kind of built out but again like we said the same even though you built out all this stuff you didn't like take away from anything else and so it just felt very crowded yeah and i also feel like a lot of that like i said there was some but i feel like a lot of those kind of creepy unnerving things from last shift that we talked about were kind of taken out in this one in favor of a more robust gory kind of effect yeah yeah definitely uh, I'll give it a seven dead air I, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm I'm going back and forth between seven and eight. I, mean, I think I'll give it an eight. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, I'll toss him a bone. You know, <laughs> um, I was just trying to just decide if like the stuff that I didn't like was enough to knock it down because i'd say they're pretty overall on like on par with each other considering yeah i mean they both have their pros and cons and they do sort of balance out yeah i mean like i've said multiple times now i think i liked last shift overall better and that was why i had to kind of knock it down to point below what i gave malum sure other way around yeah yeah and it's just like i'm trying to think like did i like it less enough to knock it down a point or is it just i just like just liked it less but not rate it less like i said i really think if he does it one more time he can just (laughs) really nail it find that sweet you know this one's just right right yeah i mean it worked for um (sighs) fuck i have no idea what you're thinking of (laughs) The movie that's been remade a million fucking times. By the same guy? No. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. Let's just say Amityville. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They really nailed it with Amityville Clown House. <laughs> have 41 movies. They really got it dialed in now. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, hope you hope you had a good time. Um, we're gonna be back with another brand spanking new episode here in a couple weeks, right? Well, I mean, yes. like, there's nothing like preventing us from recording, right? Like, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't have anything on my calendar. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong weekend or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, so check out that, guys. Uh, Taylor, what are we going to be watching? Uh, What are we going to be watching? 
Is, this is what we're calling it? Is what you put in the notes here? Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently it's our, our first ever uh, Fangs Out, Cage Out episode. We're talking about two different Nicolas Cage vampire movies. Because <laughs> who ever thought that would happen? Uh, of course, we're talking about Vampire's Kiss and the brand new film, Renfield. Man, I am probably too excited for that movie. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I'm worried that the the level at which I am excited for it, uh, we will be. Your expectations are too high. Yes, I think it's. <laughs> I'm worried that it's not going to be as good as I am hoping it is. I know because from the trailer, I'm like, this is not enough, Cage. Yes. <laughs> uh, like maybe I don't get, warm bodies guy, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I know you're Renfield, I know, but just give me an hour and a half of Nicolas Cage talking in that accent. <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited. Like, I'm just, I'm mostly excited, obviously, about Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. Yeah. Like, he's going to be all, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. Oh, I'm a bat. I'm a sexy bat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then we're going to have a lively debate about Nicolas Cage, good or bad. (laughs) Seriously, guys, if you are, like, excited for just fucking... A full-on cage episode. <laughs> Join us next time. Uh, in the meantime, where can people find us, Taylor? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Give us five stars, hearts, rainbows, clovers, and blue moons. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a little something in the text box. It doesn't matter what it is, but for some reason, these apps give a little more weight if you put something there. You could literally just put what your favorite kind of pie is. I don't care. Pumpkin. Yeah, probably pumpkin. Banana cream. Mmm. Yes. This one's black. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to make it not taste good. That's the point. What? What does that even mean? (laughs) And then I left. (laughs) Also, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and now Spoutable. As Grave Plot Podcast. That's right. We got Grave Plot Podcast on Spoutable. Whereas on Twitter, we got to be Grave underscore Plot. Fuck Twitter. Yeah, everybody go join Spoutable so we can get rid of Twitter. Uh, and uh, Patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast. Bring money. And like I said, you can donate to the show on PayPal. Also check out GraveplotFilmFest.com for news and updates on next year's Grave Plot Film Fest. Yay. Yay. Grave Plot. <laughs> Cool, guys. Well, until we meet again, Peter Zane, to talk about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so excited. All right. <laughs> we'll catch you next time, guys. Uh, so, bye. <laughs> I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Closing time, open all the doors and let you out in.
closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay. Closing time. This room.